0: Testing, one, two,
1: three, testing, one, two, three. Yeah, test, test, one,
0: two, three, hello. Welcome to Unbuckled Discussions. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) To the viewers and to Issa.
1: How are you, Issa? Good, very well.
0: Thank you for doing this with me. I appreciate it. All
1: good, happy to be here.
0: Um, So tell us, what's your name?
1: Issa Issa
0: Negusi. So Issa Nagusi and that's a Neguse, and yeah. that's an Ethiopian name or?
1: the uh, so Issa is Arabic. Mm-hmm. It actually translates to Jesus.
0: Oh it does too. Actually <laughs> I found that out recently. How did I miss that?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, so Negusi is very Ethiopian, so that, that translates to comes from the root word Negus, which means king.
0: Negus. Oh yeah. true. So yeah. you're you're Jesus King.
1: Yeah, King Jesus King. Was. Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> true, I did not know that. I didn't yeah. I actually, I, I was recently look, watching a video about how Islam interprets Jesus and yeah. how um, the differences between Islam's interpretation of Jesus yes. and Christi- Christianity's interpretation. Right. It, it's much more different than I thought, to be honest..
1: Yeah. Have
0: yeah. You, do you know any of those differences?
1: Oh, uh, I mean, fundamental differences is uh, the belief around Jesus. So yep. Islam and Muslims believe that Jesus is a prophet of God. Yep. rather than the Son of God or part of God or part of the Trinity. So that's probably a fundamental difference. Yep. And the story around Jesus is very, very similar. Some of the stories around him and his disciples and all that, very, very similar. Um, the only difference becomes end of life difference. Yep. The story about how he uh, was crucified. Yes. So Muslims believe that um, Jesus wasn't crucified, that um, the person that was crucified was made out to look like Jesus and in fact Jesus was ascended to the heavens yeah uh, and that he would return which is something shit hang on
0: hang on so <laughs> I, Islam <laughs> believes that he he wasn't actually crucified but correct. then how did he ascend to the heavens if he wasn't crucified
1: yeah correct so he was being so we believe that the story is that he was being chased and you know by his enemies mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he ran into a uh, temple Uh, prayed to God to save him, and the story goes is that God sent uh, uh, an angel to basically take him and send him to heaven and the first person that came into the the, uh, to the temple to actually Capture him perhaps uh, is the actual person that um, was then made to look like Jesus. So then they take they would taken him essentially to crucify rather than Jesus himself
0: who who decided that he was going to now look like Jesus God God decided That's so God story. told
1: the oh, okay. God made him to look like Jesus oh I yeah. see yeah okay yeah
0: um, because because the Jews wanted or the his, Jesus enemies needed to crucify someone or they planned to crucify someone
1: well they disagreed with his message right so yep. he was coming with a new message of yep. um, faith and calling people back to the oneness of God and the trueness of a new uh, perhaps a realignment back to God yeah, and the Jews at the time didn't accept it. Okay, they believed that you know this person was coming in and he was a uh, a heretic, yeah, someone who was trying to take people away from um, the the true religion, um, and uh, yeah, so that's. You know quite a bit
0: about that, actually. So yeah. You, you, uh, I, I mean,
1: I was named after him, right? So yeah. so <laughs> makes
0: sense. Yeah, Let's just inform the viewers of, of why I, I wanted to speak to you as well. Yeah. As, um, I believe you've memorized the Quran?
1: Correct. Yep. When I was 16. When you were 16? Yeah.
0: And what? like?
1: I started at, at the age of five. Yeah. Uh, learning Arabic. Okay. So at five years old, my dad had taken me to an Arabic class. Yeah. Started learning Arabic when I was five, you know, and then progressing 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 I think I started memorizing when I was about 10 really yeah
0: and that stayed like solid you can you can recite it
1: I mean it
0: now to this day
1: I can recite some chapters some chapters are more stronger than others yeah Um, with the with any sort of memorization you need to keep up the the practice of repetition to ensure that retention yes memory so, but yeah, I, I did complete at 16. My memory then was much stronger. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I actually, well, we'll go, we're probably going to go into a different discussion around. I used to lead uh, at the mosques. Yeah. lead prayers and, and that sort of thing. Oh, so
0: you don't need to be an imam to lead prayers.
1: No, you don't need to. An imam is just a title. Yeah. Imam is just a title given to someone who is uh, qualified or... I should, well, qualified perhaps, or even um, what's the word? Recognized as yep. someone who knows the most amount of knowledge in the community. Okay. Okay. So, generally, any, anyone who knows more of the Quran or the book mm-hmm. generally is should be the person who leads the prayers, yep. basically. So, it could be a young 16, 17 year old. Okay. And it could be. 80-year-olds there, 90-year-olds there, it, it doesn't really matter, it could be a non-Arab person, it could be, you know, etc. For example, we've got an Australian um, born uh, Anglo-Saxon, you know, mm-hmm. uh, revert, of course, who's leading praise in the Gold Coast mosque. Oh, really? Because he knows the most Qur'an. You know, because he, but,
0: but when you say revert, revert from...
1: His parents, so his parents became Muslim... Um, Oh, okay. And he's he's full Australian-born, non-Arabic-speaking. You know, uh, I think his parents are British background. All this stuff. So just to demonstrate that um, it comes down to the, yeah, uh, the recitation of the Quran, memorization of the Quran, and etc. As to whether or not someone should be an Imam or
0: not? But obviously, he's learnt Arabic to a certain level. If of he's course. if he's absolutely. reciting it, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a big difference between that Arabic in the Quran compared to Arabic speaking colloquially in different yeah, countries? Yeah,
1: it's the, it's the same as uh, the question of is Shakespearean English the same as you know current day English? You know okay. what I mean? So uh, Quran Arabic is very classical Arabic, very mm-hmm. pure Arabic. It's called the Arabic name for us called. Fusha, um, so which means very yeah classical clear text Arabic, and current day Arabic is very much being influenced through the amount of trades that have been going on through you know uh, societies and communities and and um, you know people change that colloquial language you know street language sort of comes yeah in. Yeah. you know what I mean? mixing so, with
0: different languages correct so there's
1: different dialects and different all that but there's there are just, just not to say that people don't understand Arabic pe- speaking people will generally understand to some level what the meaning is yep. trying to say.
0: Okay. But yeah. Has Has Arabic mixed or influenced or been influenced by Tridina? in um? That's the language of Ethiopia, right? Tridina? Uh,
1: Amharic is the main national language, but there's about eighty oh. languages in Ethiopia.
0: Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you speak Amharic?
1: I actually don't speak any language other than uh, English. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. you're
0: born and bred Aussie.
1: Um, am as Aussie as they can get. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but you're still proud of Ethiopia, seeing with the badge on your Absolutely. car? It's Absolutely. It's, a, it's my ethnicity. It's the language of my parents and yep. the stories behind how they came and this, you know. Yeah, yeah. They've, you know, my, I'm first generation Australian, right? Okay. But my history is back there in yeah. Ethiopia. So, if I want to learn about what happened in the 16th century, my great-great-grandfather... Yeah, whom I've heard stories about um, that connects me to the land yeah. through those stories more than anything. But when I get there, I feel so out of place. You visited? I visited two times. Yeah, twice now. Uh, Twenty two thousand nine and two thousand fifteen. Um, the first time I was sh- I had a culture shock. Yeah, uh, I got sick. Um, mentally physically everything mm-hmm. uh, and I remember coming back to Australia and saying I'm never going back there again yeah like literally you were then, when right? I was younger yeah, yeah 18 first time you know p- this privileged kid you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you don't know your privileges unless you go to a less privileged yeah. country and you see what it's like what life is like but um, went back in 2015 a much older much wiser person perhaps and it was much better yeah. It's a much better experience, and I yeah. remember saying to my mom, "I could stay here for six months, seven months, go back, come back again. I could probably live here." Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, because it was a simplicity of life. Yeah, exactly. You know it, what I mean? One hundred percent.
0: I think that I think there's a lot of reasons for sure, but I think it's one of the reasons why there's so many depressed people yeah. in in privileged countries. Yeah, is because there's so many things to distract you: phones cameras like little gadgets you know what i mean all these screens everywhere you're in dark rooms all the time (laughs) like life seems nice and comfortable you can sit on a chair you've got a nice comfortable toilet but all these things create so many problems so like i think that's exactly why i really enjoy developing nations because I enjoy that simplicity, that basicness of life. life. You see people with almost nothing and they're just so happy, Mm -hmm. more happy. And then you come here where everything is so easy, privileged, easiest country in the world to get a job in, I swear. Like you can just apply for a job for a week and you will get it. And you can get a basic job, but like so many nice things about like easy things about living here. But then you've got so many people who just don't want to live.
1: Absolutely.
0: Which it's it's
1: like, it's the nature of humans, right? It's the nature of people that we if we give ourselves too much, we become less grateful. Yeah. If we indulge in too much entertainment, indulge in too much you know material perhaps and all that, we lose focus yeah and so and it's not to say that a person needs to live like a nomad life or you know needs to have a life of you know no material or whatever. But it, because the balance is, of course, we're living in this world. We do need to work. We need to obviously have, you know, life. But it's it's about how do you how do you use it, and what happens to you? What do you attach to it as far as value? Mm-hmm. If it's taken away from you, how do you respond? That's that's the the internal sort of, you know, um, working that needs to be done. I think, you know, in more developed countries. Yep. You know, whereas. In because the other side of it, in my critique of you know developing countries and people in that country, sometimes, if they were to be removed from that environment into this environment, you know, and I, I hate to general, I don't want to generalize, but they would struggle with the same way the the way that we struggle, because they've never been able to, ha- you know, how do I put it? They've never been able to be challenged mm-hmm. with the access and the privileges that we have in this country yeah you get what I mean no, so I they wouldn't know what that would be like, so they've learned to adapt and they don't know they've got it good as well because there's the other side around you know people in you mean the people countries. who've
0: moved to developing nations don't know they've got it good
1: Well um, no the other way around
0: oh okay yes yeah
1: you get the other way around so they sometimes they think in the Western countries and I hear this from family all the time, wow, you must be so happy yeah. You get what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You must be—you so are so privileged. Yes, and yeah, you're right. I am privileged, but are we happy? Well, according to the statistics, we're not as happy yeah. as you guys. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so that's the—that's the—you the, 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 know—comes down to the fact that we're they're not better humans than us, mm-hmm. but they—they they don't have the same challenges as we do. And we don't have the same challenges that they do. And so I think sometimes perspective is important. If we switch place and trade places for a little yeah. bit we tend to become grateful for what we have Yeah. you get what I mean so um, yeah I've sort of picked that up yeah <laughs> my own, you,
0: you thought about you know. this particular topic a lot
1: well I mean I've had so much time when I was spending there to think about and why why are these guys so happy yeah sure. and be critical around it yeah and not, not just not just accept that they're, just, they're happy because they don't have anything but but understand that as humans there's an element of it's good for us to not have too much things all of us yeah yeah it's good for us to 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 have that balance and have that understanding but the only but the best i think the best person the best human i guess is or the the goal is to try to achieve an ability to be able to sustain yourself sustain your happiness and sustain your um your personal sort of desires and controls in any environment that you're in. Yep. Whether I place Neil in Africa or Asia or Australia, that that's the same Neil that's going to be Yeah. You get what I mean? It's not a depressed Neil in Australia and a and a mm. happy Neil in Africa because then that says that suggests that your reliance is on your environment. Yeah, which rather is, than rather than within.
0: within. I've often used that as an excuse. I've yeah. often said like because when i'm travelling wherever it is I, I get this feeling of confidence i for example with my youtube channel initially right when i was doing it in, in australia trying to do it in where i was living in brisbane i i blamed my environment for not being confident right i don't know if this relates but yeah, when yeah, i was yeah, travelling yeah. overseas i was just like i didn't care you know what i mean yeah. i would just video everything and and just post it i wouldn't care what anybody thought and then maybe i'd care afterwards but i mm. i I'm starting to realize that I need to be that confident Neil wherever I am and I can't blame the environment all the time so Correct. it's funny you say that yeah actually.
1: yeah yeah you know, it's, a, it's a reflection I've had in my own life as well um, I recently in December last year not that recent I turned 30 oh yeah, you did which is keep a huge, talking I'm going to just check if it's going yeah you yep, turned 30 which is a huge like absolute milestone for myself you know yep. um, you know turning 30 and you know I think I, I remember uh, you know, when I turned 30, I was just like, oh man, it's like all downhill from here. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember sitting with myself and going, okay, you know, on your birthday, take a time to sort of sit down, reflect mm-hmm. on your 20s, what have you achieved, what have you done? It's not too late. Yep. Ground myself and really go, okay, you know, every time you have a milestone is a perfect time to go ground reflect pivot you know refocus and um ground
0: reflect pivot refocus did you make that up yourself i just made that up right now oh okay (laughs) i love it okay
1: but um it was it was a really great experience so um one of the things i said to myself was i'm cutting off social media yep distractions yeah there's too many distractions as you mentioned at the start of this podcast social media is one of the biggest you know i think problems, challenges, perhaps, um, you know, a threat to humans. that We don't even understand it. We yep. really don't understand the impact it's actually having on us. So I quit social media three months. It's been like, what, since the start of my birthday? It's been, you know, since then, So mm. since December, effectively. And now you've, we're now you've held
0: strong to that? You haven't gone back? I have
1: not gone back. Oh, okay. And that has been an amazing sense of, like, freedom. Yeah. I I can't explain it. You know, I, I've been trying to talk to my siblings and trying to say to them, hey guys, like try it for like 10 days. Just cut it off. Mm-hmm. Cut off. You will not grab your phone again. Literally, yeah. just cut it off. So, um, and you will be able to survive. Like, it's okay. Like, it's, yeah. you can survive. My sister did this recently as well, video. and she yeah. loves
0: it. Yeah. She, she just felt like it was too much all the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, she did exactly what you did, yeah. and she says a very similar thing. She says that it, she just feels great all the time well, more than before she doesn't feel like also it makes sense what yeah when you're scrolling you most people post what is good that's happened in their life and i'm I'm sure the listeners and lots of people have heard this a lot of people are talking about the negative effects of it so it makes sense when you're looking at what everybody else has done all the time then you're sitting at home and you get depressed like i'm not doing that
1: yeah correct
0: you know what i mean
1: whether you are consciously comparing it's always gonna happen at the subconscious level, right? Yeah. Whether you think you're getting influenced and I always thought I'm not I'm not getting influenced. Yeah, I always I'm, thought this that, that not you're too strong for impacting it. Impacting me. It's yeah. not you know, I look at it when I want and then I realized one one day I remember just sitting I had nothing to do. And generally I'm quite busy, I'm quite scheduled and I do things. But one time I was scrolling on my phone, just going through Instagram, and there was a point at which my my thumb was like like it just like there was a ping of pain effectively hit my thumb and I was just like
0: your scrolling thumb was, yeah my yeah. scrolling
1: thumb and I literally was like what the hell what are you doing and I threw my phone Yeah, onto the couch and I was just like that's crazy what am I doing like mm-hmm. and I had this like awakening perhaps but that that was all in the in leading up to my 30s yep. you know I, I remember just going into like leading up to my 30s and just going like that you can't let you can't continue the way you are going into your 30s. Like something's got to change. You have to change something. Got to improve. You have to move up. Basically, yep. you have to elevate. So, I've always um, had that mentality um, in my life. And, and but um, you know, when I hit my 30s, I think it really hit me. It wasn't like I'm not going to procrastinate. Basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no more procrastination. Has that I, been I a big to, problem for you? Procrastination is something that I've, you know, challenged, yeah, definitely uh, it has been a challenge of mine, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, things that I know I have to do, yep. I need to do. But I rely on procrastination to give me the level of stress to then get that thing done. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so I used to say to myself... Sounds like my university days. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, you know, and that's where it comes from for me as well, university, yeah. So that's where I picked up the behaviour. It was like this last minute, last minute. Mm-hmm. And but I'd get good at it.
0: Yeah. You know? And you start to get yeah, I know you'd what you mean. Habit. You'd start to like produce like, gold in that correct. level of stress. <laughs> correct. Yeah.
1: <laughs> correct. And but the reality of it is like you can't do that now, you got a family, you got two kids, yeah. You got a full time job, you're studying as well, you got commitments to your family. You can't carry on that same habit. Yes. If something's gonna give. Yeah, something's yeah. going to be the trade-off, something's going to be the compromise. And I was like, I'm not willing to allow that. Yeah. So, so then, you've
0: made a change with your procrastination now as well? I
1: mean, procrastination has to be something that's probably been, been a goal of mine, a challenge of mine probably in the last, you know, three, four years. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I've been working on. Yep. Um, and Ramadan is the best. You know, every single year, the Mm -hmm. month of fasting, the month of Ramadan. Oh, you mean Ramadan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's always the best time to develop that self-control and develop those good habits. Yep. You know, Um, so each Ramadan I've I've made incremental change, Mm -hmm. you know, um, scheduling, you know, uh, planning, organizing, you know, understanding what's coming so that I can sort of go, okay, well, let me start on it. Let mm-hmm. me commit to it. And then by the end, it's like it's done. So I'm currently actively studying. Yep So I'm sort of reversing my university experience by going through this more, you know, further studies by like, you know, doing assignments a bit earlier mm-hmm. You know, prepping for exams all that sort of stuff, but i um, trying to prove to myself that I can yep. overcome it which I've come a long way. hmm I've come a long way.
0: True. Sure, that's good yeah. um, This is a problem. I'm dealing with at this very moment. Yeah with um, sorry I'm just changing my microphone because it's good. windy, but yeah, I'm dealing with this very problem at the moment. Even with like um, with especially with editing, because I don't enjoy editing. Yeah, I'm getting better at it, and it I'm slowly must enjoying be it hard more. Hard too. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, for me, it's hard because yeah. I'm very bad with computers in general. Yeah, well, I have been in the past, but yeah. I, I'm, I I can get good at it. I think I yeah. just need to work at it and stop being so scared of it. Yeah, but it's <laughs> something I, I I Do have any specific? Well, myself actually do you have any specific strategies that you use to yeah. overcome procrastination i mean just get the work yeah. done There's a simple one i,
1: guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say that That'll be a little bit that's a really good tip just get it done just do it um but um that's yeah way too simplistic for procrastination when it's a problem um, i think sometimes we have to understand why we're procrastinating in the first place so is it because you know because procrastination could be a sign that you're tired Yep. It could be a sign that you need rest. It could be a sign that you need fuel. It's not about time management. It's about energy management.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: about managing energy. Where in the day are you most energized is a first step to, you know, the first step that I, I, I try to understand. So I figured out mornings is generally where I have the most level of productivity. Therefore, I'm going to schedule all my hard things in the morning. Yep. All the difficult things, things I don't want to do In the morning Because I know I'm going to have The most amount of energy
2: mm-hmm.
1: I've just come from rest I've just refueled through You know Having really good breakfast That sort of thing And I'm going to go Straight into it So that's one thing Managing energy Not time yep. Understanding where Your energy is Are you a morning person Afternoon person Do you peak at night You know You might peak At 2am at night You know yep. That might be the time To do the work yep. Literally
0: For some people yeah, For sure. some
1: people Absolutely So it, it's there's never One size fits all you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's about understanding yourself and your energies and where you're at regarding that and um and then if you don't know what that is then try fasting yeah because fasting is one removes your fuel yep right you've got no fuel anymore yeah now see how your body naturally behaves in the day
0: without any
1: without any influence fuel. of exactly. yeah yeah. With any influence of food, fuel, and food, and all that sort of stuff, so that, that that could be an interesting experiment. Yep. But I think you have to try a few things to then land on that sort of go. Oh, okay, now I've hit the productivity, my productivity capability, if you will. You know what I mean? Because everyone has a, a a time in the day where they're most productive, okay. Where they have the most amount of energy, but the utilization of that is the question. Yeah. Have you tapped into that? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's going to come through, yeah, it's going to come through um, experimentation. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to test. Wake up in the morning, try, see what happens then, try working on it. You know, and then the other thing is, the work, the reason why we procrastinate sometimes a, the, we don't believe, we, the value we attach to the work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't believe it's valuable enough. So sometimes we have to change the way we look at it and believe in it. Because if we, you know... Because if we if we say to ourselves it's very very important, and sometimes it's about that internal sort of belief around that activity. Yep. If you think oh I could get past it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then that's going to be a natural sort of go-to. Your brain's going to go yep. It's not a threat. Like you don't yep. need to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay. Yeah. But if you say to your brain no this is very important, so with editing you might say it's very important for my. Which it uh, is. Viewers, <laughs> perhaps, or for my production of my podcast, and it could really enhance, it could really drive that thing. And you try to convince yourself, because you have to convince yourself, that's going to be your driver. That yep. might be your driver as well. So, yeah. So, change a the conversation
0: couple. in my head, pretty much. Yeah.
1: Would. Change the conversation in your head, experiment your energy. Yeah. levels where it's out in the day and that sort of thing yeah yeah
0: i'll try that actually i was fasting for a bit um because a lot of i know you fast in the ramadan yeah i'm gonna just check this as well i know you fast in the ramadan but i was fasting um for health reasons like intermittent fasting oh, when yeah, i was yeah. working on the cotton farm oh, yeah. for like 16 hours at a time wow um and i felt great yeah. for other reasons as well but i yeah. never thought about like um observing how my energy levels are, but I'll, I'll give that a, a try. I'm actually yeah. going to try and like, um, yeah. I'm attending some iftar events. So nice. I might fast on those days. So Go I on. might, I might try it then. <laughs> like um, it. but yeah, back to, back to Islam.
2: Yeah.
0: I noticed when you talk like a lot of, like you're obviously committed to your faith, right?
2: Absolutely.
0: Um, without a doubt. <laughs> without <right>? a doubt. <laughs> okay. And a lot of people I've talked to yes. who are committed to their faith, whatever that faith may be. Mm. Um, Especially the Abrahamic religions, they mm. they often when we're talking about another topic, mm. they'll often refer everything back to the faith. But I notice when you're talking, even mm. with about procrastination and about yeah. other things, yeah. that you don't that you don't you don't always connect it to why why Prophet Muhammad or the Quran taught you this you it's just, a, it's you, just, just talk, <laughs> you just talk about it completely. Like yeah. you, you you haven't mentioned it once when you're explaining something else. yeah why why do you think that is?
1: that's a really <laughs> good question. I don't find the need to one, so I don't need to like so I guess at the base level i don't I'm not finding the need to justify it through the Islamic prism yeah or viewpoint. The reason for that is because i I believe inherently that whatever I'm saying always comes down to my belief systems and values which are. Grounded in the religion anyways whether I say it to you or not. Yeah, and it comes out of the question if the question is You know connect your faith to your work or connect your you know, ha- how does you know? Um, uh, how does the you know procrastination for example? Uh, does your faith help you with that if that was a the question then I would go into that that aspect Yep. but fundamentally it was, yeah, I guess the, your, your question, your observation is, my answer to that is, well, yeah, I just, everything is already grounded inherently. Yep. Um, unless I needed to justify it, in other words, through a question, yeah. then I would go into it, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I get that. No, <laughs> thank you. Um, so, have you always, I mean, you started memorizing the Quran when you were five. You, 10,
2: yeah.
0: 10? Oh, sorry. Yeah, started, started learning. Started, started learning. Yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. Like at a young age, do you think, like I I've, I've met a lot of um, religious people uh, that maybe rebelled against the religion, their, their particular faith that their family taught to them yeah. when they were maybe, I don't yeah. know, late yeah. teenagers sure. or early 20s or whatever. Sure. And then generally, they've come back to it. <laughs> right, and they've yeah. they've they've found meaning in the word or yeah. in God, etc. Yeah, and then um, they've come back to it. Now, my question is, I mean, obviously each case would be completely different. Cool. Um, you didn't have a rebelling stage, did you? You remained committed throughout your youth. You think, or did you ever have a stage where you were asking a lot of questions?
1: Oh, yeah. So I guess it comes down to the, the yeah, what you mean by you know sort of that you know, leaving the faith or like rebelling in the faith? What does rebellion mean? And yeah, I guess you know that's I mean? completely yeah. like... Um, it's got to be different, right? For each person. Yeah. For me, rebellion was, for me was, okay, wasn't it when I was... Um, is that going to be an issue? Yeah, I think... Yeah. It.
0: That's yeah. why I put this on, but we can... Um,
1: Do you want to pause? It's nice it? for
0: the sound, though. Yeah, no, 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 it? it's yeah? all good. Let them hit, uh, I think... I don't know if they can hear it, but um yeah, keep speaking okay, for the cool. moment. If okay. not, we can maybe... I don't know, could we move undercover somewhere?
1: Yeah, there's heaps, there's an undercover space right behind you directly there.
0: Oh, true, yeah. But yeah,
1: it's, be could... it's gonna be still windy though. Yeah, it's gonna but be still I, windy. I imagine I like the, the... the rain's going straight into the camera. Oh, that's a good point as well. Do
0: <laughs> You think we should include this on the podcast?
1: <laughs> Bit of bloopers.
0: <laughs> I'm going just pause it, I mean stop okay. it. Hello? Yep good to go all good yep all good to go so um where were we forgot
1: (laughs) i totally forgot where we were and so
0: i was i I remember wanting to bring it back to islam yes and um so yeah that's right about rebellions i I noticed a lot of these people move away from their religion yeah and then they come back to it now my question to you do you think they're coming back to it because they've Found a law, found Jesus, or, or it's connected with them, or is it family pressure and this expectation that you have to be part of this religion, whatever it may be, yeah. and you have to, you know what I mean, you have to to not be. I feel like there's a lot of pressure from not all, but a lot of religious families for their kids to then follow that religion as well. Of course, you know what I mean, yeah, like, no doubt.
1: Without a doubt, no doubt,
0: but. <laughs> Like, what do you think, I'll, I'll go into it a yeah. bit further, but what do you think the main reason for that is?
1: Well, uh, depends on what generation we're looking at. Yeah. Because, if I, if I talk about like, you know, what's happened the last 10, 15 years, 20 years perhaps, when it comes to Islam, you know, and especially Muslims living in a Western country. Yep. there has been so much happening in the world mm-hmm. when it comes to Muslims, Islam, and, w- and the West. Yep, and a lot of that has played into the psyche, and you know influenced a lot of m- people, a lot of Muslims, young people, old people, in respect to their identity. In respect of you know whether they take on a more conservative version of Islam versus a more liberal version of Islam. Um, so that's a very that's a huge aspect. So that's one thing. It comes down to the generation of young people we're talking about. And what did they experience when it comes to Islam and, and the media and Islam and the West and Islam and, you know, and the, the Muslim world? Because like personally, and I reflect on myself and I reflect on my own community of young people perhaps and my friends and all that. A lot of us, when I was 16 for example, when I was 16, um, that's when I finished the Qur'an. Yep. Right? And then at that point i said to myself okay now i want to quote unquote rebel my version of that was yeah i don't want to go back to class anymore i've done that since i was five years old
2: Mm -hmm.
1: now i want to you know go out and learn myself yep figure out my own thing now so that now with that came the arab spring with that came the war on terrorism with that came this deep focus and, and, and surveillance of Muslims yep. in the West. Yep. That was an experience and a half for a young person growing up. And most young people, right, whether Muslim or not Muslim, whether Christian or not, most young people would generally uh, go through some sort of identity crisis or some sort of, I'm trying to find myself you know, through their teens, yep. uh, and then come out of that with a bit more clarity around where they want to be now. Of Course, it's going to be influenced by so many things from a Muslim perspective. It's a very different experience, and I would argue a very, very different experience than you know a Christian or a Jew and all that, especially in the context of the last you know 20 years. You're talking in,
0: specifically about a Muslim living in a Western society, correct? Right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, because
1: that's cause within my context, right? Yeah, in the yeah. context I understand, okay. Um, and so. What I was gonna get at with your question around family community yep. pressures. Definitely. There's definitely family and community pressures. Now, I believe a lot of that has come from a cultural thing. Yeah. Where they don't understand that you can be you can take on Australian culture or Australian practices and still uphold your Islamic faith. Yeah. Okay. Muslims in this country have, especially young people, have struggled with their parents and elders in the community around them differentiating between what is Australian and what is, you know, un-Islamic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of a lot of things that you can do as an Australian, a lot of things that you can do, are not necessarily un-Islamic, but they're not They're not grounded in culture that is. You know that comes from you know whatever the culture is of their parents and community yep. okay so there's a lot of struggle within especially within Muslim young people in, in this country with the separation of my parents' culture and then their religion and then them bringing bring all that into this country mm-hmm. where we're first generation yep. Australian and Muslim. Yep. So that, that has, that, I, I think that has been a, a massive amount of pressure. So why the trend? Your question around why the trend of, you know, people rebel and then come back.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I, I would. Uh, I mean, depending on the person, I guess, because you know.
0: Yeah, each person would be a completely yeah, different case. I it'd be case, a very I get that.
1: completely a different case, and there's the element of like, what, you know, when when they started off, you know, yep. with their parents and all that. What What did that look like? Right. And then, what did it look like when they came out? Because generally what I see, and in my own case, people rebel and they come back and they find their own space within the Muslim identity. Yeah. They find their own, oh yeah, I can actually live my Australian identity with my Muslim identity in a Western, Western context. Um, and so I think that a lot of that, um, I think a lot of it does come down to them finding mm-hmm. themselves and finding truth I guess yeah. um, in the religion um, and certainly I'm not going to dismiss the fact that some people may be pressured um, you know and that's the reason why they came back yeah uh, in the form of potential being outcasted yeah. or you know uh, you know told that you can't belong in the community and all this sort of stuff not that that's public and not that that I've seen that personally but that happens in households
0: yeah yeah what sure. households it, and That pressure, would you call that pressure judgment?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But now this is my big... Yeah, judgment. Like this is my... It's maybe not always judgment, but it can be for sure. Because it's like pressure that... Maybe if you do it like how we expect it, then you will be accepted. And if you don't, then you won't be accepted. Mm. But isn't that... Like, as far as I know, the Qur'an and the Bible, they say that it's not any human's job to Mm. judge. Is that... Now, okay for a parent to judge their children, but is it, or is it like the Quran, from what mm-hmm. I understand, says that it should be Allah's job to judge at the end? So, shouldn't each person be on their own path, yeah. be guided but not yeah. judged on their choices, regardless if they're a child or not?
1: Yeah, so, um, Islamic, from an Islamic perspective, the Quran does say the verse is La Ikraha which means there's no compulsion in religion, you can't force someone into the box. Yeah. Right? There is no compulsion in religion. Meaning that everyone, and there's another verse that says, which means that no one's going to carry the burden of another person on the day of judgment, the, the real day of judgment, the end of days. Yeah. Meaning that if you choose to live a certain way of lifestyle and carry, you know, whatever that looks like, I'm, you're, you're not my burden.
3: Yeah. You get okay. what I mean? I guess.
1: However, when it comes to families, and this is the this is the challenge here, that the Prophet in hadiths, which is the other source of Islamic law. The,
0: the last two, right? Four. Correct, yeah.
1: correct. Um, the Prophet says that in, okay, I'll, I'll always quote in Arabic and then I'll translate it. Yeah, okay? understood. كُلُّكُمْ رَاعٍ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٍ عَنْ رَاعِيَتِهِ Which means, all of you are shepherds and all of you will be asked about your flock. Meaning, every person, and he goes into he goes into exp- explaining. He says, an imam, a leader of the mosque, is responsible for their, his followers, yeah, or their followers, and a a a principal of a school is responsible for the school, and and providing that guidance and direction. Yeah, every uh, and this you know this. Uh, maximal principle, is an Islamic principle that suggests that we're not gonna, we, we, Islam doesn't operate within a a, 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 sort of, um, a very flexible, so flexible that there is no such thing as law and order, or guidance, or direction, or Islamic principles, right? No system works in that way. Yeah. Every system has a, a sense of governance. Yeah. Islam does too, so there's a balance. So the, Allah says in the Quran, There's no compulsion in religion. Now the Prophet says, you're all going to be responsible for your own flock, meaning that even a parent is responsible for their children and the upbringing of their children, meaning they can't be careless in the upbringing of their children. They they need to want what's good for their children now. Now the question becomes, okay, that's permissible. It's actually permissible for a parent to go, you know, uh, like, I want you to be a good Muslim. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to show you what a good Muslim is. And I'm going to guide you and provide you that direction. Yeah. That's the end of that responsibility. Yeah. The direct guidance. Yeah. yeah. You get know what I mean? But like, it's the often guidance. taken further than that. Correct. And that's the problem. That's where we go into the realm of pressure. Yeah. Unnecessary, unreasonable pressure, unreasonable expectations. If you do this, you know, it's over my dead body. If yeah. You, you know, Which is.
0: Like if, that in itself, as far as I understand, is just as much of a sin as any other, right?
1: Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's where the balance is. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that's where the balance is. So basically, a parent is allowed to provide guidance and direction to their children and show them the correct path. At the end of the day, if that child or that you know teenage young person decides to not go ahead with that, then there's no compulsion. Yeah. You know what I mean? and you're not going to be burdened with that because you've done your job okay and that's i think the biggest concern of every parent is that they they don't want to be held accountable yeah if my child goes astray or goes you know left and i want them to go right yeah what the parent stresses over is the day that they might be questioned about why did you let that happen yeah now the balance is that they won't be as long as they've tried yeah um, but again, as long culture, as directed. culture goes, plays into it. Yeah. So there's certain cultures and certain, when I say cultures, as in, you know, there could be um, uh, people from subcontinent or people from certain parts of, you know, certain countries, they might have very, very strong cultures around the upbringing of children that might include corporal punishment, that might include discipline, it might include... Mm-hmm stuff that actually fall, falls, uh, falls outside of the religious governance. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, and also, in a way, a lot of the time, I mean, the parents or whoever's behavior, they use religion to justify it, even though sure. it's out of religion's of governance, right? Yeah, correct. Is that a misinterpretation of the Quran?
1: It's an abuse of power. It's an abuse of the... the Absolutely, abuse of the... Uh, Islamic principles in the Quran and the text, absolutely, and we see it all the time. And we, we that <laughs> the problem with doing that is that you then make the religion out to be this, this tyrannical, yeah. harmful faith,
0: which it's often perceived by from a lot of people in the West.
1: Correct, and young people, if you know, if the parents are the custodian and the ambassador of the Islamic faith for their children and they're not displaying the high, the high moral character and the conduct. Now, the Prophet had children. He never once disciplined his children. And yeah. you know, this is a recorded fact. Um, you know, a man came to the Prophet and he said... Uh, a man came to the when Prophet... When you say the Prophet, you mean Prophet Muhammad, Muhammad, the last Correct. Prophet according Correct. to Islam. Yeah, Correct. okay. Continue. Absolutely. So, um, a man saw the Prophet uh, kissing one of his uh, children. Mm-hmm kissed him on the forehead and the man came to him and said like why are you doing that I've got 10 kids I don't I don't show them that much affection and the prophet turned around and said to him what can I do with a man who has no mercy in his heart that one of the to to demonstrate that mercy and Mm -hmm. having mercy towards young people is the thing you have to have because they are going through their own experience yep right and that's the approach that's the principle that's the guidance
0: if you show them mercy then they will in turn have mercy
1: correct if you show them mercy they will in turn have respect and show sort of like okay i want to follow that yeah i want to listen to that anyone who shows love to someone they're going to follow they want to follow that person yeah right so that's that's the guidance from the prophet Mm -hmm. and the guidance from the quran around no compulsion religion and yeah hopefully that answers question
0: no no that makes sense to me yeah. do you um what you you mentioned before about um conservative and liberal muslims yeah right i <laughs> i guess that ties into different interpretations of islam as well um like a liberal one can just have, like yeah they, they yeah would yeah interpret. sure you
1: can say that yeah you can say that yeah. um,
0: <laughs> so building on that I, mm. i've got lots of muslim friends in australia i've got muslim friends who drink like fish I've got Muslim <laughs> friends who, who are very strict on themselves. <laughs> yeah. And then I've got other Muslim friends who, I don't know, are somewhere in between. Right. Right? And obviously, that's a challenge. Growing up in a Western society, Correct. Australian culture promotes drinking.
2: Correct.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it promotes a lot of other things as well with a lot of advertisement. Um, and also, the culture itself, there'll be certain temptations which might not, and I'm sure it is in some Muslim countries as well, but it yeah. might not be as... Um, prevalent in muslim countries right yeah. so you're going to have all those varieties of, yeah. of young muslims absolutely um now in, in those people when i've asked them why they do that they often justify it by with a different interpretation of the quran for example i've heard before that the quran doesn't say you cannot drink wow. somebody told me that it just says that you shouldn't drink to the like you shouldn't ever overdo drinking you should always have control over that now is <laughs> that true no <laughs> doesn't <it> ha- <laughs> please tell us about that verse
1: so the verse of the quran is يسألونك khamri wal and which translates to they ask you meaning because of the Prophet's time the prophet muhammad peace be upon him his his period of time they were drinkers yeah they used to drink alcohol all the time in medina in medina okay. and mecca okay pa- particularly in mecca because that's where islam started yeah right in the meccan period there were drinkers, and so when Islam started coming, the removal or the prohibition of alcohol and intoxicants didn't come straight away. Yeah. Because there it was a culture of drinking.
0: <laughs> really, I had no idea. Correct. Okay. So the,
1: the Quran, the, the Quran came and was revealed over a period of twenty-three years. Yep. So it wasn't a here's the book of every rule; you better follow it yeah. from this day onwards. It was a slow progression into the faith. In fact, a lot of the verses, and you can see the verses that um, obviously the Qur'an, the way it's constructed now, you will see that towards the back of the Qur'an, a lot of the shorter chapters are, and the, 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 the first half of the Qur'an, a lot of the bigger chapters are. Okay. Now, some of those um, chapters are called Meccan chapters, and some of them are called Medinan chapters. Yeah. Now the reason is, is because Medina, when they migrated from Mecca to Medina, uh, and I'm going into a dystopic topic, but I'll come back. No, that's all good. Yep. Yeah.
0: Um, no parameters on unlockable discussions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on.
1: So when uh, the Quran was revealed in Mecca for 10 years, uh-huh. okay, before they migrated to Medina, they got kicked out of Mecca. They migrated to Medina. Medina was the first who got kicked
0: out? The writers, the Prophet, are, the the prophet? Muhammad and yeah. his companions. Okay. A
1: small group. Why they did went, they get kicked out? The prevailing community were uh, what we call idol worshippers. They were of a different faith. They didn't accept the new uh, yeah. calling.
0: What was the faith of the time? Uh, it was,
1: uh They were idol worshippers. They were like, um, yeah, they used to just worship idols, uh, and uh, they had different names for their gods, like mm-hmm. Latt and Uzza, and but they were basically idol worshippers. I don't, I don't know the. I don't think it was a predominant uh, faith worldwide. Yeah. I think it was quite unique to the area. Oh, okay. Um, to the local
0: area. To oh, the okay. local
1: area. Because at Me- that time, Mecca and Medina were very isolated.
0: Yeah, Medina towns. was kind of close to Ethiopia. Well, I mean, not in, like Somalia, that area. So maybe it came from there. That's interesting.
1: Potentially. And potentially. I won't, I won't yeah, 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 constantly talk about
0: that. Yeah, so they went to Mecca.
1: So they went to uh, from Mecca to Medina. Yep. They kicked out Mecca. They went to Medina. And it, Medina was the first place where there was an Islamic state. Yep. An Islamic state run state, which means that full is. That's where you started seeing the laws coming into place. God started prescribing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But that
1: was after 10 years of telling them, you know, start praying, do this, do that. Mm-hmm. Then it came, don't drink alcohol. Don't do this. So, anyways, coming back to the alcohol thing. So the, the verse in the Quran wal And this will make sense The verse says They ask you So it's God's talking to the Prophet They ask you concerning Alcohol Drinking And gambling
2: mm-hmm.
1: قول, Say to them There's nothing clearer than this This verse okay. Say to them فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ Say to them That alcohol and gambling are prohibited yep have more harm than benefit Yep. all right and what, what that means by more harm that the, the the interpretation of that is that not only physical harm yeah not only mind mental harm not but spiritual harm
0: okay right yeah, your connection to God.
1: community well. harm connection to god that you can't if you were to drink you can't then go pray yeah and you'll know one of the key features of the Islamic faith is that we pray five times a day. Yep. Right in the morning, noon, afternoon, and then you know sunset, and then yep. at night. When do you have time to get drunk?
0: <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. So if you didn't, if you didn't have an obligation to pray, then you possibly could. Drink?
1: Potentially. Yeah. I mean potentially, but it just shows to sh- goes to show that that. The religion came to establish routine and schedules and yep. establish a spiritual connection throughout the day.
3: Yeah, I get and that you were
1: going to be in a constant state of connection to God, in a constant state of prayer. How do you have time to drink? You don't have time to drink. I see. And in fact the drinking has more harm for you health-wise, everything, Oh, physical, definitely. It's been proven. Right? Yeah. So that's what the verse says.
0: So It's you, prohibited Yep.
1: and that it's more harm and the, than the benefit.
0: W- the word definitely says prohibited. Correct. Okay. Um, Okay, well, that's good to clear that up. I'll tell those people next time I (laughs) see. But uh, but in in the the Bible, I believe it mentions something about drinking as well. Mm. I don't think it prohibits it, but it says, I mean, like... It's not encouraged. It's not encouraged. And it says you drink, but don't drink to the point of intoxication. Don't drink to the point of being drunk. As far as I know, I could be wrong. I, I've just heard that. I haven't actually read it, mm. but um, and I believe in Judaism as well. It also says it prohibits drinking, mm. right? So wouldn't that area of people being close to the uh, being close to Jerusalem, being close to the origin of Christianity and Judaism, mm. don't you think that they also would have been of that faith at the time? Like in Medina and Mecca, the and in turn wouldn't have drank.
1: Yeah, good question. So there was definitely Christians and Jews um, in that area. In that area, definitely, okay. but they were a very small minority, oh, and okay. very unwelcomed by yep. the by the Arabs at that time. And no Christian uh, kingdom or Christian empire, no Jewish empire, no Jewish kingdom. Wanted to even step foot in Saudi Arabia or Medina or Yathrib at the time, and or Mecca in terms of conquering and forcing these people to become Christians or Jews. Yep. The reason being is because they were so extreme in their practices. These people at the time, uh, they were called Jahili- It was called the period of Jahiliyyah, which I mean is Arabic for the period of ignorance. Yep. they used to bury their daughters alive
0: this is the other people in that area correct. at the time correct before islam
1: before islam they yeah. used to bury their daughters alive they used to drink through the day through the night they used to um uh openly have uh, sexual intercourse with random women they would share their wives with each other it was a very extreme people in the very hot desert climate there was Nothing of real value there from a market perspective, trade perspective. They weren't producing anything that was unique like India yeah. or Syria or anything like that. No empire wanted to go in there. Yeah, these people are just and and every time there'd be tribal warfare. Okay, right. So that was the 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 characteristic or characterization of that time. Yeah, there was Jews, there was Christians. They'd come in, but there was a very small minority.
0: So. As far as I know, and I'm pretty sure it says this in the Qur'an as well, that you recognize the Injil, which is the Bible, and the Torah, I don't know what you call it in Arabic.
1: Uh, yeah, I, yeah.
0: yeah, I can't remember. But anyway, and the Torah. So you recognize both. So yeah. from my previous understanding, Islam was a product to some degree, or like was influenced by those two faiths right? Because the... No. <laughs> the, it wasn't? Okay. Can you explain?
1: It's a continuation. Yeah, it's a continuation, yeah. like
0: yeah. another book, right? Yeah. So, my question is, and yeah. you, you acknowledge those two religions, right? Absolutely, it, it's we a, have to. Yeah, okay. It's, to. Uh, so, a, and their ethical teachings are, aren't that dissimilar to Islam, from what I've understood. Well, mm-hmm. I, as far as I can see, i I'm, I'm still got a lot to learn about it. So, yeah. my question is, why would God speak to Abraham you know to bring that to 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 begin Judaism and then Mm. send down Jesus Mm. Well, yeah or speak to Jesus in different interpretations of it in ancient Greek at the time I believe Mm. and then in a different location speak to Muhammad in Mecca. Why would he choose those three different locations and then a completely different location to send down his next message mm. in a completely different language yeah. why wouldn't he continue sending it down in ancient greek why because you uh, as far as i know in islam arabic is god's language right
1: chosen yep god's correct. chosen
0: language correct. so why would he change his chosen language mm. after 660 years
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's a qu- First, it's like a question for god himself oh, okay. almost you know because yeah. you're almost asking me well what's the yeah why did yeah, why did God make that decision? Yeah, that's a good that's he, a good you know point. What I mean? It's a, it's so a question probably I couldn't with expect that. you to answer. Yeah, yeah. What I can say in terms of guesstimate, in terms of what I think perhaps okay. is, is related to that, and some things that um, you know scholars have talked about as well in terms of the, the wisdoms and all that sort of stuff. And what the Quran says as well about the revelations previous and and, and you know uh, the Quran as well. So from an Islamic perspective. There was 126 thousand more or less prophets and messengers sent to this world. It wasn't just Abraham, Jesus, Muhammad, Moses. There was 126,000. Oh, okay.
3: 000. Yep, yep.
1: So, uh, to show the extent of how long we've been in this world, one, two, the amount of messengers and prophets that have been sent. Islam believes there's a connection, a continuation from the day Adam was sent to this world right until the prophet Muhammad as the last messenger and prophet of God. At, at, until at least this day, I don't believe there's anyone further claiming to be a prophet after the prophet Muhammad at this stage, as, as I know. Anyways, so that's one. We believe there's a continuation. Why did God send... Why didn't He just send one person and let that person live at 3,000 years, 400 years? You know what I mean? Just live until the end of times? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that answer. However, God says in the Quran that He has sent a messenger to every single nation and every single people, calling them to the oneness of God, calling them to God, to the worship of God. What that means for us, that's that's what God says in the Quran. What that means is that we believe that there was even a messenger and prophet sent to Australia at one point in time. Mm -hmm. We believe that. We believe that, that there was a messenger and, and a prophet sent to, you know, you think about the most isolated community in the current globe at this point. We believe Amazon there was,
0: somewhere in yeah, Brazil. We
1: believe there was a messenger and God at some point sent to those people. So that's, that's what we believe. So, um, so, the, so then what happens over time Which e- with each messenger and prophet that gets sent? People naturally, and, and this is what scholars, Islamic scholars have said, to try to explain, people naturally leave the fundamentals of the faith. Yep. Uh, concoctions, misinterpretations, differences, uh, changes. And when those changes have happened, God then has then p- put in place a new uh, messenger or sends a prophet yep, to yep. either reconfirm the last message or to come with a new. Message altogether,
0: Why would it and mean- that's
1: the difference with, as well. When we come, when we talk, we we believe that they're all prophets, but they're not all messengers. So some prophets have come to reconfirm, for example, the Injil. Yep. And then, which is the Bible. Which is right? the Bible. Yep. And then others have come to come with a new message or an additional message on top of the Injil. yeah Or the Bible. So um, the Quran, we believe, and the Prophet Muhammad, we believe, was sent. Yep. To Mecca. Uh, but, not to just the Meccans or the Arabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allah says that we sent you to the entire world. Yep. We sent you to the entire world. Now, some scholars have tried to sort of, again, try to understand the wisdom of why that place. Again, like I said, they were a backwards people. Yep. Very ignorant. Very difficult the most unwanted space, like no one wanted to conquer that place anyways, there was nothing exciting, why not Constantinople?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? Why not like send a messenger to the, 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 the Roman Empire, whoever was the strongest empire at the time, mm-hmm. the Persian Empire. But God decides to send a message to like the poorest, most, you know, diswanted place. And some scholars have explained that this could be one, a sign of, to show... Uh, the greatness of the message yep that how does a message get sent to a very difficult challenging isolated space, place an yep. isolated place and then just <laughs> spread like wildfire
0: yeah i know it's a, right with christianity it's the uh i think christianity and islam make up 50 percent of the world's faith
1: correct yeah yeah correct. it's
0: been sh- spreading since so
1: the the probability of a success of a message sent to mecca Mm-hmm. Was very improbable. Yep. It was highly unlikely it would have been successful. It would have been it would have been killed off. Yep. You know, by the people themselves. They would have killed them. I mean, his own family turned against him. Yeah. He had assassins tried to kill him.
0: What Muhammad? Yes. Oh, Mohammed, okay. He got poisoned. So he, was he was he a native of that area at the time? Absolutely. And then when he got this message, he just changed. Correct. Like correct. His name as well.
1: No, he was always called Muhammad.
0: Oh yeah, okay his,
1: his name was Muhammad his his father's name was Abdullah okay and his mother's name was Amina and his grandfather's name was Abdul Muttalib so they so there's a, he has a lineage in that, in that land and but his his family were one of the you could say chief families within the area
0: but his his father and grandfather's names sound arabic
1: Correct. It's a,
0: it's Arabic. It's but a, oh, so Arabic was a, but but it's as an far Arabic as Arabic people,
1: it's an yeah, Arabic but, nation.
0: Yeah, but but um, his father and grandfather would have been around prior to Islam. Correct. Being sent down, Absolutely. which means it would have been prior to Arabic, wouldn't it? Have been?
1: no. Uh, okay. So I see the language what, of, of Arabic question.
0: was there already. Correct. Okay. The language
1: of Arabic is as old as the language of. Um, it's a. Uh, um, oh. Now I forgot my um, transport. That's of all
0: good. We'll um, we'll ask um, Jamie yeah, to check it out. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so um, yeah. So Arabic is is a very old language. Very old language.
0: Yeah.
1: It's uh, much older than the religion of Islam.
0: Oh, okay. Much I'll, much I'll much. much Research that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, much yeah, older. I was unaware of that. Yeah. Um, so do, do you, before you touched on the how Islam can be seen as tyrannical. Um, can you explain why it's not or why it is tyrannical or you, your view on that and, yeah. and why people, I mean there's a lot of reasons, I won't go into why I yeah, think it's yeah, happened, yeah. but why people in the West perceive it as tyrannical?
1: Yeah, so like I said over the last 20 years, I think in particular since, since, since 9-11, yeah. the language around Islam in the media, the language around um, you know, what constitutes Islam and what doesn't constitute Islam has been, you know blown out of proportion yep so what has been shown and presented as islam has been osama bin nadin you know uh, isis mm-hmm. has been you know guys who are literally out there to try to you know force the religion on people yeah and kill muslims as well all right this is mm-hmm. the thing that people don't talk about is that you know, a lot of these groups have come and distorted the image of Islam and misinterpreted the religion of Islam to serve their own geopolitical ideas around, you know, taking over certain lands and all this sort of stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the reason why I think the West views Islam as tyrannical, crazy, you know, religion that wants to take over the world and all this sort of stuff. Is Islam tyrannical? Well, I've been Muslim for thirty years now, so yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Islam mm-hmm. is a religion of justice, it's a religion of fairness, it's a religion of mercy. Every chapter in the Quran, there's 114 chapters, mm-hmm. every single chapter in the Quran starts in the name of a merciful and gracious God. Yep. Now if that is not a sign of a religion that values mercy, yeah. and values graciousness, and values character, and values justice and fairness, then you know, I, I don't know what else to say. That is the text,
0: yep. right? Ha, has it been changed? I mean, I, I, I've, I've had this discussion with a lot of people, and the narrative that I've heard constantly is that the, the unique thing, one of the unique things about the Quran, is it hasn't been changed at all. Correct. Right? It's identical. But does that mean that every Quran in the world that's been printed? Recently, or in the last twenty years, hasn't been changed because, at the end of the day, it's a human printing it, right? So they've got a computer now. A computer, yeah, (laughs) but a a human controlling that computer. There is a
1: strong governance around the print and distribution of the Quran that prevents it from being uh, incorrect.
0: So then, and I'll
1: explain that. I'll explain that a bit more. (laughs) So since the Quran was developed. Fourteen hundred years ago, after the prophet, after the well, I should explain. The time of the Prophet, the Quran was written down on uh, random sheets. Yeah. But mostly in the memory, the memory of um, the prophet and his companions.
0: Oh, in the memory.
1: In the memory. He, so every okay. single uh, uh, they would revise almost daily yeah. on the verses of Quran with the prophet. Throughout his life. So remember, the Quran was revealed over 23 years.
0: All during Muhammad's life? Correct. Okay.
1: And through that 23 years, he had all the companions learn from him every single verse. Yep. So that retention and memory and mastery was, uh, was capable at the time. Okay. And how they test their knowledge is Ramadan. Yep. So, Ramadan, part of the governance is Ramadan is a time is the time when the Qur'an was revealed.
0: Yep. Oh it is, and uh, just for if anybody yeah. wants to know, it is Ramadan right now. Correct. Yep.
1: Correct. So Ramadan is when the time of the Qur'an was revealed. So every Ramadan, Muslims around the world go through the whole Qur'an. Oh, okay. Memorization, and testing, and reviewing. Yep. That's one aspect that happens in every almost every mosque. Yep. If you, stayed, if you went to the mosque from day 1 to day 30, in Ramadan, you will hear the entire Quran.
3: Oh,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, guaranteed. You'll hear the you'll hear the recitation of the entire Quran.
0: How many? How many? What? How many hours does that take? <laughs> Good question.
1: <laughs> Every night, it takes about an hour and a half to two hours to go through a portion. And so, when you go through that an hour, an hour and a half, two hours of a portion of the Quran, you'll finish in 30 days, guaranteed.
0: Oh, okay. So it's not that much. It's not it's a lot. It's like four, 35 hours. Correct. Yeah.
1: Correct. So in uh, Arabic as well, they're not. Going,
0: they're not. They're not reciting the transliteration Correct. or something. Like, yeah. Correct.
1: They're, they're reciting it straight in Arabic. So that's one governance. The Quran was um, translation. Sorry. Go on. Yeah, translation. That's right. Um, so after the Prophet passed away, they compiled the memorization into a written form. Yep. So the First generation. These are the people that lived daily, breathed the life with the Prophet. They compiled it into a book. Mm -hmm. That book then got carbon copied, multiple copies. One copy got spread to every single part of the Islamic empire. So one got spread to Egypt, one got spread to... And with each copy, six uh, people who memorized the Qur'an went with that copy.
0: But at the time being sent to each part of the Islamic Empire, those places weren't Islamic yet.
1: Well, Islam expanded greatly um, after the Prophet's demise. Within like the first twelve years after he passed away, it expanded almost to China.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's right?
1: and it went down all the way to Egypt, and you know where Somalia is. But
0: but at the time of those six people being sent with yep. the quran yes at that exact time yep. those areas weren't yet muslim right they weren't yet let like, yet part of the islamic empire right because they hadn't heard they, the word or they heard word of
1: yeah no no they were the by the time they were sent out yeah. by the time the copies were sent out because what was happening at the time was the islamic empire was expanding faster mm-hmm. than The ability to teach people the Quran. Oh, okay. You get what I mean. So the feedback that was coming back from the vast empire was that people are reciting the Quran, but they're reciting it in different dialects.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Making mistakes. Yeah.
1: Right. So So isn't that
0: isn't that changes? You know no, what I mean? not necessarily. Because they're making mistakes, they're translating to different dialects, like a big game of Chinese whispers, you know, I eventually mean? it might change a little bit or you might interpret it differently.
1: Potentially, potentially, but then that could be rooted out by early intervention. Yeah. That could be rooted out, and that's what happened. The early intervention was okay, tell the empire to destroy their copies. Mm-hmm. Destroy what they have. So this was a mandate by the caliph, yeah. the Islamic ruler to dish out a ruling that everyone should t- terminate and there wasn't this wasn't like a It wasn't enough time for people to mem- like I said the Empire expanded faster than people were able to memorize So people's copies would have been very small or very limited. Yeah, nevertheless the greatest decision was Let us develop six books. It was yes the initial stage six identical books And then give six people from the state, from Mm -hmm. the Islamic State, um, from Medina. And send them out with this copy to teach the people the correct memorization of the Qur'an. Now, we still have those copies.
0: Where are they? In each place that they were sent to? In Medina
1: and in the places, you know, obviously with war and all that sort of stuff, things have been, you know, obviously destroyed. But the original copies within, like most Muslim countries, like Syria, uh, Palestine, uh, Egypt, countries where they didn't lose Islam. Like Spain, Spain potentially may have a copy, potentially, in a museum somewhere. Um, But nonetheless, those copies, there were copies after those copies. So uh, that's how it was preserved, basically. That's how it was preserved. So now, at, at this present day, we have only like two or three uh, print companies that can print the Qur'an. They oh. have the authorization to print the Qur'an. Yeah. And they spread it for free throughout the Islamic lands. Yeah. So almost every li- major library of Islamic uh, institutes. Yeah. So Islam right now is a very comprehensive system. It has a comprehensive system in Muslim lands when it comes to the protection of religion. So we have Islamic universities, Islamic yep. libraries, uh, libraries that have been as old as you know the, the prophet's time. Yeah. And they all have uh, the Quran. Yeah. Printed
0: there. Which, which one is called the Noble Quran? Quran? No, is that a translation version? That's just a trans.
1: I mean, that's just a translation of Quran al-Karim. Quran yeah. al-Karim means the Noble Quran.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But do you think why I asked that question initially, we talked about the, the people that have misinterpreted Islam and been tyrannical with it, like, yeah. uh, do you think Where they've: mis- Yeah, yeah. Well, do you think they've misinterpreted because of possible changes, or they've like, deliberately misinterpreted it?: Yeah:
1: like, cool um, What they you know, when, was, when I've heard Osama bin Laden and I've listened to his videos a long time ago. When he recited the Quran, he was reciting the same Quran I was reciting. Yep. Right. When ISIS recited the Quran, the guy was on the pulpit and you know Al Baghdadi, he was yeah. the, the the proposed Islamic When he was reciting the Quran, it was the exact same Quran that I recited. Yep. Okay. So I've been to Yemen. I've mm-hmm. been to obviously Ethiopia. I've been to the UAE, and every time I walk into a mosque and there's recitation the of Quran. It's the same. It's the same. Okay. Yes. I don't think you'll find any Muslim who's who's been to a Muslim country or been anywhere that has says, Oh yeah, guys, that mosque, man, they recite a different type of Qur'an, oh. man. It never happens. <laughs> it just never happens. Um but to your question around how does you know, could there be a different Quran that ISIS or Sam bin Laden could be reading or interpreting? Yeah. It's the interpretation, not the recitation that they get yeah. wrong. It's the interpretation? The interpretation of the Quran um, can be done in various ways. Mm-hmm. It can be done literally, or it can be done, uh, you know, understanding the context and why it was. We can, we we always talk about like the um, the reason for revelation. The reason. Remember, I said that the Quran was revealed for twenty three years. Yep each verse and the reason why the Qur'an was revealed was because of a particular situation that was happening at that time you will notice in the recitation of the Qur'an it almost seems like a conversation sometimes it feels like something was happening and there's there, there's a reason why that verse was revealed now so, when a when a you know when a extremist perhaps uh, interprets the Qur'an they're interpreting it as if that verse that happened at that particular time applies right now at this particular time. Mm -hmm. For example, Islam is not a passive religion. And I'm not going to say it is passive. It isn't.
0: Well, there's no way it could spread in 12 years if it was passive.
1: Correct. It's not a passive religion. It's not like, you know, uh, a religion that doesn't have a rule of law. It's not a religion that doesn't have its own objectives and its own, uh, you know, principles, all that sort of stuff. So Islam, the Qur'an has verses in there that says You know, verses in there that are often quoted Kill them wherever you find them It's an often verse of the Qur'an Often, often uh, read, recited verse in the Qur'an well, How Kill do them, you
0: say that in Arabic? <inaudible>
1: That's
0: okay, it. Is, it saying, uh, is it said out of, like is there more context to that sentence? Oh of course
1: of course but that's the literal meaning of a particular area within the quran that's v- taken out uh, out of context yep. and that's right there's no text without context right yeah exactly right <laughs> so that verse was revealed literally in the middle of battle oh okay in the middle of a defensive war that the the order and it, it, there's a longer. It's 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 a small portion of longer, um, mm-hmm. a longer sentence. And I don't know the I don't know the full sentence, um, but the sentence goes on goes on to say uh, the ayah goes on to say, uh, say to just kill them wherever you find them. But if they give up or show like they don't want to fight, mm-hmm. don't continue. Discontinue. Oh, okay. If they surrender, disengage. Yeah, exactly. If they surrender, disengage. So this is a verse like someone like you know an extremist Muslim or uh, extremist yeah extremist Muslim would take and go. This gives us permission mm-hmm. to do it because we are in a state of war. Yeah, you get what I mean. And this is the thing we have to understand: is the complexity around what happens in other countries, yep. and in particular. Muslim countries and the wars that are happening there.
0: I think it's got to do a lot with the influence of Western countries as well.
1: The foreign policies and there's a, there's a lot of complexities around that. There's a lot of complexities around in whose interests even yeah. within the Islamic lands, the leaders within the Islamic like what interest do they have?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, and what have are, they gained from it and who's become rich over it. And who's
1: losing and who's yeah. winning. And people are, you know, people are saying people get killed and people getting used and people getting things. And so... The, the only thing they can go to is, well, what is the Quran? Surely God has given me a right to mm-hmm. take arms and, and do something. And and like I said, Islam is not a passive religion. It believes in defense. It yep. believes in uh, uh, you know uh, war, justified war. However, there's a context. Yep. And there's a balance. And mm-hmm. there's justice. And there's also the rule of law. And there's also what is the unintended consequence of this? Yep. And so, it, Islam, since the fall of the Islamic Empire in nineteen, the early nineteen hundreds, nineteenth century, early nineteenth century, um, has been in disarray.
0: Yeah, and and I think, well, at that time when it did fall, a lot of um, Western countries, ironically, as they were berating Germany about being. Uh, not taking over lands, those allies were at the same time taking over lands, <laughs> like, largely in the Middle East and a lot yeah. of the other world. Um, after then, I think that's, for me personally, I could be wrong, but I feel like that's the reason why it's been in disarray, in is because each Western country just, like, did a different thing with each land. Yeah. If they didn't like... They, they destroyed that government and put a new government. Correct. And often, like later years as well, they created rebel armies and they fought yeah. to overthrow that corrupt government. And right. that corrupt government was overthrown. And then that yeah. Western country that created that group then went and fought that group and used Correct. it as an excuse to invade that country. Correct. For, like, I think... It's crazy. Yeah.
1: It, it's it, very complicated. And I always say, like, you know, this is like, uh, what do you say when you, when you get interest and it like just keeps rolling over, like it's accumulated or cumulative interest? Yeah. It's like a- accumulated grievances. Yeah. Just constant grievance without justice. Yeah. So imagine, you know, someone, you have a grievance against someone and then, and then you complain about it. And then it happens to you again. You complain about it. it happens to you again, happens to you again, happens to you again. So you you never got justice from the first one. You're still dealing with the trauma of the first one. Yeah. But then you've got all this amount of layers of things, and now it's now it's very difficult for me to talk sense into you. Yeah. Because you are so aggrieved, and you're so uh, oppressed. Yeah. And suppressed.
0: And obviously, that's you know, that environment is going to create groups who can be perceived as extreme. Correct. It's happened. It's happened all over the world. Absolutely. With, with lots of different. Absolutely. Things. Um, but like on that topic, that's a very one. I, it's a very sticky topic that I don't hear many people talking about. But um, there's a there's a constant war that's been going on since the sixties, um, which is Israel versus Palestine, the oh, right. the occupation of Palestine. Yeah. And I've noticed um, you have a soft spot for that because you've got it as your profile picture. Yeah. It, there's a there's a message there to yeah. to free Palestine. So what does yeah. that topic mean to you?
1: Yeah. Well. <laughs> Uh, Palestine or Palestine is the some would say would be the heart of it, like the Muslim uh, community or Muslim uh, nation. Why? Islamic because nation. it's
0: because it's Jerusalem is there.
1: One because the significance of Jerusalem. That's one, but uh, no, not one. Sorry, two because of the significance of Jerusalem, but more importantly, the clear oppression against oh, yeah. the, the Palestinian peoples there. And it's such clear-cut oppression that no Muslim in the Muslim world has a difference of opinion about it. Whereas in the Muslim countries, like if you go towards Middle East, Syria, every other conflict, Mm -hmm. there's different disagreements within even the Muslim communities. Disagreements about whether, you know, Assad should go whether they should have fought whether they should be this it should be that when it comes to Palestine that's such an old matter it's been there since like you said since the 60s yeah yeah right and it's ongoing and it's so flagrant it's so obvious it's right in our faces
0: yeah but it's not talked about in western media because it's no this might shut down the podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no because like I I, I, there's no interest I think maybe but also it's it's deliberate because of the big like ally between like a Israel. lot of Western nations yeah. and Israel. Correct. Right. And, um,
1: which complicates the relationship yeah, between the West and the Muslim world and, and even further complicates it because even Saudi Arabia aligns himself with Israel.
0: Yeah, because they've got a massive <laughs> alignment with the U S they've gotten rich over this whole.
1: And it's the protection as well. So Israel provides a level of, uh, assurances for the U S by way of existence because they're in the middle of the middle east Mm -hmm. right in the middle of a very conflict zone uh, a zone that has a zone that
0: the world has fought over for over 2000 years
1: (laughs) correct there's so much there there's so much value there yeah that it serves it serves the west to have israel established and not destroyed they want them there so they have a sense of a base and it's also to, to um, again, for Saudi Arabia as well, because there's a lot of Muslim countries that are against Saudi Arabia. Saudi yeah, Arabia because they somehow, feel like
0: they've sold them out or something.
1: Correct. They played, they sold them out, they played a role in the downfall of the Islamic Empire. Um, and, you know, uh, the way in which they run the country is very much un-Islamic in a lot of ways. You think
0: so? But yeah, that, that yeah, they are very strict, especially on on what women can do. As far as I, as far as I'm aware, which I want to get to that that topic about Islam as well. But coming back to the um, Palestine thing, um, a lot of the the Western world, especially Christians and Jews, see this occupation of Palestine as the rightful justice being made, and like from something that happened. 1400 or however long when when the islamic empire spread and that area was apparently taken from the jews and the christians so in the i I don't know if it says it in the bible but it's 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 said somewhere i think that god's going to give that land back to the chosen people now i'm they believe that they're the chosen people right? right so um and islam i believe believes that they're the chosen people as well right
1: um, I've not heard it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, well, yeah
0: never mind that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, because you also believe in the Torah and the Injil, the Bible, wouldn't, um, like, if it said that in one of those books, wouldn't you be forced to agree that that's the land of them, the chosen people?
1: Uh, yes and no.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I believe that, um, yeah, God, Allah, definitely chose the, the children of Israel and the Jews at one period. Yeah, then that period ended. We believe. Mm-hmm. We believe that period ended by way of them uh, disobeying God. Yeah. So, uh, and that particular area of, of um, Jerusalem was re- conquered by Muslims, yep. Islamic Empire, and held for a very long time. Yeah. Okay. So, what? right now, at this point in time. You know whether or not, you know today's Jews have a rightful have a right to then take it back. Yeah. You know when people have been living there for generations now.
3: Yeah, and right? the, what and I find ironic, thing, like
1: it, the the challenge of going, what happened so many years ago, and to you know to sort of you know get that repatriation now, is is very much it you know it's. It's unheard of in today's time, basically. Yeah. If if someone, you know, we don't see that happening with the indigenous people in this country, for example.
0: Yeah, right? well, there is, there is p- payment, but there's not giving back of land or anything or power. like that. No, or power right. at all. Yeah. It's, just, it's just... I'm
1: sure the Palestinians could live with the Jews peacefully yeah. and coexist in that land if they were allowed to keep their own homes. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's space.
0: Yeah, but that, I think... It's uh, yeah. There's a lot of debate about what's yeah. actually happening there. And I've heard from different people about uh, if it's brutal or not brutal. But I feel like the, the Christians and the Jews have taken an obvious side. Yeah. And they will, I don't want to say they are, but it feels like they're turning a blind eye to what's happening. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And now, all of a sudden, Ukraine gets invaded and now everybody's got a conscience. <laughs> and they,
1: Selective compassion. Yeah, I feel
0: it's so annoying because <laughs> I heard somebody say to me that Ukraine wants their freedom. And deserves their freedom, but so does Palestine, right? They yeah. also want their independence. Oh no, um, they said Ukraine want their independence, and they want yeah. to be in control of their own country. But so does Palestine. But that same group of people won't yeah. see it in that way, yeah. Because they'll, they 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 use the religion to take a side, which it does. Yeah, it frustrates me it's the a, topic. Yeah, but
1: it's a hypocrisy that um, that yeah people don't want to have an honest conversation about. Yeah, and. It, it's a yeah it's a reflection of humans like we we tend to favor our own kind yeah people who look like us i heard it on the radio just this morning because i be i listened to the radio um refugees from ukraine are preferred refugees and we should be increasing our intake of ukrainian refugees because um, a lot of these are, you know, economic. Like they're they're smart, they're yeah. intelligent. They're working. Some of them are doctors. They could really improve our economy. Yeah, we should be bringing them in. That was the, <laughs> the perspective and the viewpoint and the bias. I guess that's associated, mm-hmm. and, and you know, with them. Whereas anyone who's, you know, non-European perhaps, yeah, is associated with, you know, being poor or. Non skilled non unskilled and you know gonna be
0: although most of the doctors I know in Australia are from the Middle East <laughs> they're
1: gonna be draining the system the social yeah. security and all uh, but
0: stuff. I in saying that as well the the people that are given skilled visas and uh, like ways to get into Australia for example um from those developing nations are often the smarter of those people Causes. which causes a brain drain for the country the countries that they're leaving correct right and because there's less intelligent people there so i think
1: so the reality is that it's actually not good for them no it like. isn't <laughs>
0: it's not good for the country yeah. at all um yeah. but the west doesn't care about that the west no. only cares about their growth but as e- every country does i guess yeah, correct um every superpower just cares about their own interests yeah their own interests and their own growth but um what was i going to say before now with the uh, going back to being um strict on on like like having you you said you mentioned that saudi arabia is and is not islamic is un-islamic in their law is that what you're saying
1: yeah correct
0: specifically in their law
1: in their law and their practice we don't i don't consider an islamic country
0: you don't And like a lot cetera, of people would consider it the most strict Islamic. There country.
1: is no, right now, I would say that there is no Islamic country in the world. That the only, there's only Muslim countries, there's only Muslim majority countries, one of which is Saudi Arabia. So right now, the way they govern in their, the, the, the way they orga, organize their uh, government, if you will, it's a kingdom. Yeah. That's not Islamic. There's no kingdoms, nepotism, family. You know, in higher power, and you know you've got your family as the head of security. Your family is the head of the army. Mm. The king's the king. You know, and that's very un-Islamic. There's oh. no justice in that.
0: Yeah, in an Islamic country, God in, is the in
1: king. A, in an Islamic uh, run Sharia Islamic law yep. run country, correct. Sovereignty belongs to God, basically. Yeah, sovereignty belongs to God. And so the Islamic law stands higher than any person. Yep. Right? No one's higher than the Islamic law. And more than that, you can't... Like a lot of things what they do is like... It's unjust. It's it's unjust. Yep. You know? So... It's worse being black in Saudi Arabia than in in, in Australia. Oh, really? Yeah. Even if you're Muslim.
3: Yeah.
1: You know? So... Because it's differential treatment. There's actual... Institutionalized racism in Saudi Arabia. So how is that? How can it be an Islamic country? Impossible.
0: I see. True. I I was unaware of that. I do, like, yeah. I, I did understand they were. I mean, I actually, I, from what I've heard, I, the thing is that from what I've heard, I understood that they're a, a more a strict nation. But I still thought they would be considered Islamic by you. But um, I, I, what I want to. Ask them about their rules about females being allowed to drive or not allowed to drive. Un-Islamic. Un-Islamic. <laughs> True. Okay. <laughs> about women in Islam. Yeah. Now, according to what I've somebody told me, there's a chapter in, in the Quran that specifically speaks about how to treat women, or not how to treat women, but the,
1: and, yeah, correct.
0: Can like can you explain a little bit about what that chapter is about?
1: Yeah. So there's the there's no firstly there's no chapter in the Quran that's named after um any gender or sexual orientation if you will um except surah adnisa which is the chapter of women and it's a chapter um,
0: surah means chapter right correct okay continue
1: so it's a chapter it's a whole surah and it's a big surah it's a big chapter and yeah it, it talks about women and uh the treatment of women and the rules around women and and uh Um, Yeah, I mean uh, Hijab
0: Yeah, so it talks about about the hijab hijab. What's the reason for the hijab?
1: Hijab means covering Yeah Okay. Uh, When the principle of hijab came into place It basically, the principle behind it was That Islam uh, values modesty In Mm -hmm. both men and women And for women That they should be taking on a hijab uh, which is covering now it's not specific around uh how much or where or you know you know because you'll see in very if you go to indonesia if you go to different muslim nations you'll see very different practices around what hijab looks like
3: yeah yeah for right
1: sure. and that's left open in terms of the the interpretation of what that looks like because of the varying ways in which people may cover yep um but the the whole principle behind it is modesty uphold the principle of modesty in relation to dress uh for men and women
0: but well, why don't men wear their hijab men men can have good looking necks
1: <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good question again it's probably a, a question for god as well yeah you know so the the again for, based basing on what is Islamic scholars have tried to derive some understanding regarding why is because generally the the beauty of a woman is you know head down
2: yeah
1: um, and that's that's some sort of you know uh, again a man a man a mankind's understanding around why yeah. God put that in place but that's that's an order from God and um, yeah
0: an order like an order like uh, to be as modest as possible
1: to put uh, put a hijab on oh okay to put a hijab on so, so
0: by yeah. not putting it on are you then uh, like can you still be like go to heaven or or
1: yeah uh, yeah so does it ta- The question, does it take you out of the fold of yeah. Islam? does it take Does it make you, you not? Yeah, that's a bad no. question, sorry. No, it doesn't. What would I do
0: without you? This podcast is moving well because of, <laughs> because of your ability to keep it. No, it
1: doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't take a person out of the fold of Islam.
0: And any sin, can it do so?
1: It, it's definitely, and depending again on your practice and view of Islam and, and, and all that, there are no... It, it is considered a sin. It is yep. considered a sin to not... Uh, wear a hijab or not uh, appropriately wear hijab, um, but like I said, it doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam.
0: Okay. What matters more, as far as I understood, is your your faith in Allah, right?
1: Faith and practice.
0: And practice.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Islam is a practical religion. You'll notice, it is a very practical religion. Yep. You know, with a month of Ramadan, a month of fasting. It's a very practical exercise. The the way we pray is very very practical. Uh, the way we, um, uh, in, uh, the way we, um, you know, govern a society from an Islamic law perspective is very, very practical. You will, and Islam has a characteristic as well. Yep. And the Prophet Muhammad, so may peace and blessings be upon him, he said, every religion has a characteristic, mm-hmm. and one of the unique defining characteristics of Islam is modesty. That when you walk into any sort of thing that's why a differentiator should be that you should be able to notice a muslim
0: yeah because they're dressing more modest correct yeah
1: they should be dressing more modestly and so that's the one of the characteristics of islam in a practical sense but faith is higher than practice than out out, outside outward
0: appearance absolutely like your sincere belief
1: absolutely okay sincerity is much more important than you know what you show yeah right
0: um, and the, continuing on the topic of women, from what I understand as well in terms of marriage, is a a man is allowed to marry a non-Muslim woman, as long as the children are Muslim. Um, oh. No. oh, I don't. I could be wrong. Correct yeah, me yeah. if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, what are the what? And but then why is a a a, Muslim, a non? I mean, a Muslim woman not allowed to marry a non-Muslim man? Like, why is there a difference? Why isn't it just one clean cut, a Muslim has to marry a Muslim?
1: That's a very, very, it's a good question. I mean, it's not, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a random question. It's not a question that hasn't been asked before. I I only can say to that, it's in the Quran. Yeah. It's literally in the Quran that a man can marry a, a Christian, a Jew, but he can't marry an idol worshipper.
0: Um, what's an idol worshipper? So, wouldn't a Christian be considered an idol worshiper if they've got a cross and they're worshiping that cross? No, that's
1: an idol. It's an element. It? It's an element of. We, we do believe the Christians, you know, obviously by doing that, there's an element of idol worshiping. Yeah, but it's not to the extent of them saying
0: the idol is the god. Correct. Yeah, the idol is just representing God. Correct. No, I get that. Yeah. So that
1: that's the difference. Um, so we would say like Hindus. Yeah. Are idol worshippers. Okay. Right. Um... But yeah, um, oh, so your question around, did you want to go on something else? Yeah,
0: no, no. So, so, <laughs> so a man can marry, uh, according to the Quran, a man can marry, he can't marry idol worshippers, but he can, marry, he can only marry somebody that's of Christian or, or Jew,
1: Jew because,
0: because it's of a similar faith. Oh, okay. So you can't just marry an atheist, for example. Correct. He oh, can't. oh, okay. He can't. I see. So okay, there's that.
1: restrictions around that why can't a woman marry again it's it's because so prescribed there in the quran that there's only again scholars trying to explain why god said that yeah now one of the reasons is they've explained is that generally a male or a man or a, a, a husband has more influence over his wife or his spouse, than a spouse has than a wife has over her husband. Yeah. Now that's a very traditional family sort of perspective around that. I'd say it's a more it's almost not, the
0: opposite case now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah,
1: potentially. Yeah, you're right. And so it that's the that's why they've you know, you know, they try to explain it. But yeah, it's a it's one of those again one of those questions where it's being prescribed, and so. It's yeah, difficult and it's not to say it doesn't happen. It happens all the time. Muslims, Muslim women, marry non-Muslim um, non-Muslims all the time.
0: Yeah. And and if that right. did happen like um, or if a And
1: it do, again, it doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam. It doesn't? No.
0: It's just a, it's it's just a sin that God considers when he's judging you, right?
1: Correct. It'd be considered as something that you would have to face God with. Yeah. As to why it happened, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, okay. There's no prescribed punishment. There's no prescribed sort of like um, you know you're gonna go to hell. None of that. Yeah. You, and there's no sort of like you're going to be out of the folds of the religion if you were to go through that with that.
0: Oh, okay. True. Mm. Um, but I, I guess that goes for a lot of a, a lot of the sins. Yeah. Correct. Like, is, is there any specific sin that will take you out of the fold, straight up?
1: If you die on it, idol worshipping.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> you will notice Islam is very anti-idol worshipping.
0: So is Christianity, I think. Yeah. I think well, it yeah, messages no, that, that. Most messages.
1: Abrahamic religions have a very um, clear source that worship t- should be to God, yeah, not to man Not to a thing not to an idol it should be to god um and yeah so that's islam has a very very so islam says if you die on idol worshiping then yeah that
0: do you ever don't you think that possibly the those perceived idols or those other religions hinduism buddhism whichever it may be don't you think they could also have been Messages, like there were 126,000 yeah. prophets, right? Don't yeah. you think they could have been religions that came from prophets absolutely. that were sent down? Absolutely. And it's just been perceived in a different way?
1: It's. We believe that, yeah, absolutely, there's a possibility that they would have had, in fact, they definitely would have had a message on prophet or something but like that. But don't you think their
0: down. religions could have come from that message from those prophets and it's just been I, interpreted differently? Well,
1: I believe there could be elements of it, but um, I do believe that it, it would have been changed because... The like I said, the Islam is and all the religions mm-hmm. up to Islam were a continuation. Yeah, Islam would not have been here, Christianity would not have been here, Judaism would not have been there, and all the other previous religions would not have been there if things remained the same and were controlled and and, and God willed for that to 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 stay as it is as it is. So. I believe there's elements in um, Buddhism and Hinduism and all the types of isms yeah, <laughs> that are really. out there um, that have elements and, you know, consistency with Islam.
0: Yeah, because the ethical teachings for me are... are not alignment. The, yeah, for there's sure. A li-
1: there's a lot of alignments, but the fundamentals uh, sometimes are, ch- are different. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. When it comes to beliefs. Yeah, yeah.
0: belief in one higher power. And Correct. Yeah, okay. Do you have... Um, like, so in Islam, it's it's often, it's, you know, like you guys, as we've mentioned in this podcast, um, recognize Christianity and Judaism. Do you get a lot of backlash? Because they don't recognize you because they see Islam as uh, like, like, like Jews saw Jesus at the time, as yeah. like a terrorist of, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, Do you yeah. often
0: find like backlash with Christians you meet in Australia?
1: It's interesting. You know, the Quran and the way in which the Quran talks about Jews and Christians is very much, like I said, in the, in the frame of a continuation and very respectful. So the Quran refers to Jews and Christians as the people of the book
3: yep.
1: Ahlul Kitab, yep. people of the book. And then the Quran invites them and it has the verse. Say, meaning the, God's talking to the prophet. Tell them, say to them, يا أهل الكتاب, تعالوا إلى كلمة بيننا وبينكم ألا نعبد إلى الله, which means, say to them, O oh prophet, O oh people of the book, come to us, come, yeah, come to us, so that we can talk about between us uh, about like what our uh, um, our not our differences, yeah. But what our similarities are.
0: It's funny you say that because I feel like all the conversations that's been happening between Islam and Christianity over yeah. the last fourteen hundred years have been focusing on the differences, correct, rather than the similarities. And
1: that's God's command to the Prophet: call them and talk to them about our similarities. And the and the and the, and the critical similarity is that that we worship God.
0: Yeah, one God. One God. Yep. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I wish that would happen more. To be honest, Um, I think it would. It would solve a lot of the problems at the world's conflicts. One hundred
1: percent, and that's the dialogue that that God commands. That's the frame of mind that Muslims should have in engaging with Christians and Jews. That should, um, and also, shows the level of respect. We don't call them, oh infidels.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, non-believers. We say "Oh, people the book meaning respect to the books that you've received yeah you, know? you are the people of the book so that's the yeah
0: does it annoy you that uh they don't bestow that same respect that you bestow upon them
1: not at all because you know if you like i look at uh, a lot of the interactions between christians and muslims particularly the higher levels yeah you know priests and imams mm-hmm. and them talking and debating over you know times and you know South African great, um, D. Dart, Ahmed D. Dart. He was an Islamic scholar there. He is
0: still around? He passed. He passed.
1: But there's many videos on YouTube about him. He talked to many high renowned priests uh, in South Africa and across the world, uh, debating and talking about the similarities between Islam and Christianity. And you can see the the beauty in that dialogue when we talk about our similarities rather than our differences. So I've, I've not seen, yeah, frankly, I've, you know, and I have um, I have family who are Christian, Orthodox Christian.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that actually, because yeah. Ethiopia has got a very high population of Christians, I think more than Muslims. Correct. Uh, and high Correct. for that area as well.
1: Yeah, so uh, Ethiopia has a very strong, very strong Ethiopi- uh, 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 Christian Orthodox history. Y-
0: yeah, you've got some of well, the oldest churches in the world as Correct.
1: well. Oldest churches, oldest Bibles. Um, you know, some very, very strong traditions there, Christian traditions, and Islam came there, uh, at the time of the prophet
0: mm-hmm.
1: arrived by five or six men, just a group of men.
0: It's not far as well,
1: it was not yeah. far. And uh, the prophet sent them there because God revealed to the prophet that there was a just king there, a, yeah, a just a just Ethiopian Christian king, yep, and um. So they went there, and you know the 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 king effectively um, asked them, you know, what's your message? And they spoke about the message of Islam. Yep. And it's a recorded history that the king drew a line in the sand, and he said the difference between Christianity and Islam is like like this line. Basically, it's 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 really close. Oh, okay. You know? And so. Islam entered into Ethiopia the time of the prophet and stayed there since then and has now become almost 50% of the population Oh
0: really? Yeah. Oh okay. So
1: a lot of blended families Ethiopian Christians and Muslim my dad was an Ethiopian orthodox Christian
0: Oh okay until you know? he passed or is it- is he still around? He
1: passed away last year.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear.
1: That's yeah, it's okay. And, and he
0: was he
1: he was a uh, he was an orthodox Christian. He became Muslim. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. married my mom, and you know, and all that. But like, that's a very very common story there in Ethiopia. So many.
0: Do people convert for the marriage?
1: People convert. People convert for many reasons. But yeah, um, yeah certainly people convert for marriage. People convert for, you know, the faith, uh, yeah. and all that. So because Islam has been there for 1,400 years almost yeah um, and Christianity's been there for much longer. yeah It's probably one of the only societies in the world where you have such strong old religions yeah coexisting, Definitely
0: the, Oh, okay
1: Coexisting yeah. there uh, in ways that are just unheard of or unseen Just
0: peacefully coexisting. peacefully because you guys Very also peacefully. do you think that you guys were the only African country to not be colonized? Correct, and you you did the, You did so in fighting off the Italians at Correct. the time, and I can't remember who else tried to invade you. Do Correct. you think that unity and that agreeing, that agreeance between the two religions, maybe and the two groups, is absolutely, what would help make you, you strong?
1: Absolutely, because you know the Italians could have used their Christianity and said, well, you know, you Christians were on your side.
0: Yeah, and let and then us
1: kill- bring you into power. Let's remove fifty percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, they could have, but the bond. Uh, between Christians and, you know, if you go to Ethiopia, you'll see it.
0: The bond between Ethiopians, regardless of your belief. Correct. is yeah.
1: amazing. And there's Judaism in Christ- uh, Ethiopia too. A large group of Judaism, like like 20%. Oh,
0: really? All the
1: populations are Jews. Really? It's, it's, yeah.
0: You guys are it's the, the Abrahamic thing. African country.
1: It is literally the, <laughs> the, the the melting pot of Abrahamic religions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I need
1: to go. I really need it's to go. It's amazing. It's amazing. So you can, you'll have a church right next to the mosque and you know the day that the you know Fridays are generally you know like the Sundays for Mm -hmm. Muslims and you see Christians helping you know volunteer their time at the mosque Yeah, you know um, and vice versa the Ramadan Christians participate in preparing food Mm -hmm. for iftar for Muslims. And you know, Muslims as well support the Christians as well in their churches. That's
0: awesome. That's beautiful.
1: It's amazing. Uh, it's just you know, you go there, you don't know who's Muslim and who's who's Christian. And the Orthodox Christians they are so traditional as well. They they the Muslim the, the women wear hijabs as well. Yeah. So they look like Muslims sometimes.
3: Oh, yeah. But then they have
1: a tattoo. You'll know because they have a tattoo of a cross on their forehead. Oh, that's how I see. You know. But from the back, you're like, is she Muslim? And like, is he Muslim? Because he's got like this long beard. He's wearing this long garb yeah and he looks like him but he's christian as well and it's very very like it's because they've kept their tradition yeah um i
0: think a lot of strict Christian, even not strict but i think a lot of conservative christians are quite conservative in their modest. dress as well and modest yeah. in their dress yeah. as well yeah like um i don't know and like nuns for example yeah they they're wearing a hijab as Correct. well so yeah
2: Hard.
0: like i think there's, there's so many similarities and i wish the world would look more at that because i've mm. i mean i've i've talked to a lot of christians who just They'll see me maybe defend Islam in some way or like explain one of my interactions with a Muslim person for education purposes. Yeah. And then they'll start attacking it and defending Christianity and why? saying why yeah. this is the right one and vice yeah. versa. Mm-hmm. I've met m- with Muslims and they will just say why theirs is right all the time, you know. Yeah. Well, there's just no point to it and the, no. both books literally say like um, yeah. n- the judgment is not up to you. Just exactly. focus on yourself yeah. and focus on your own relationship with God. Mm. But. Um, is there anything else that you would like to teach us about Islam? Um,
1: I mean, we're in the month of Ramadan. Yeah. Uh, I should, like, it'd be important for me to raise Ramadan, the importance of Ramadan, the meaning of Ramadan yeah. as well. So, Ramadan means, a literal linguistic meaning means to burn, yep. to heat something. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, and that sort of gives you the feeling of what it feels like to fast. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> to burn, to feel, um, to, to heat. So, it also, some, some, some scholars have said also, because Ramadan came in the hotter months, yep. generally. Um, but it's the ninth month of the Islamic calendar. Uh, Ramadan is a time for not um, only...
0: How many months are in the Islamic calendar? Twelve. Oh, okay.
1: Twelve months. Uh, but it's based on a lunar cycle.
0: Yeah, because it changes every year, right? Correct. Yeah.
1: And which comes down to the, the justice and fairness of the religion as well, even coming, coming down to the months every month gets to experience ramadan gets to experience winter summer autumn spring
0: oh so around the world wherever you are as a muslim you're going to be fasting in different temperatures at different times
1: that as well i'm also going to experience ramadan in you know different temperatures as well so every 30 years within a 30 year span ramadan will move through the seasons yep so um uh you know almost like a yeah an explanation of the fairness of the lunar cycle okay you know so ramadan in a winter versus ramadan in summer is a very different experience ramadan doing during spring during autumn is a very very different experience the days are shorter longer nights are longer shorter etc ramadan is not always about fasting though that's like the tip of the iceberg you know not eating and no drinking not even water Mm -hmm. that's the tip of the iceberg ramadan is much more than that it's about stillness Yep. it's about prayer mm-hmm. it's about remembrance it's about reflection it's about everything that was impermissible outside of ramadan is extra impermissible in ramadan
0: oh you mean the sins correct yeah okay so, if, so everything haram is even more haram correct during ramadan okay to,
1: to um one because it's a it's a, it's we consider ramadan a, a time of you're in a state of worship basically. Mm-hmm. As you're fasting, as you're number you're in a state of presence before God. Yep. So in that state, if you're in a presence before God, then that means you need to be on your best behavior, basically. Yep. And it's a time of training. Yep. Discipline. Soul training. It's a sign of self control, patience. And it's the greatest, one of the greatest lessons coming in, you know, coming out of Ramadan is to actually learn if I can, if if what is generally halal or what is generally permissible
2: mm-hmm.
1: outside of Ramadan is now impermissible in Ramadan, like eating, drinking. It's impermissible yep. for me to eat and drink during this time but it's also impermissible for me to swear. It's impermissible for me to lie, impermissible for me to uh, not keep a promise, impermissible for me to um you know you know have arguments all these things could break your fast
0: oh really not just eating more correct uh, okay
1: it's not just about eating and drinking it's also about so you have to be present with what you're saying yeah constantly checking yourself so that training at the end of ramadan is basically to say if you can go through that if you can do if you can sustain not eating and not drinking and not swearing and not doing all this stuff in 30 days Thirty days to build a habit, right? Yep. You can do it for the next eleven months. Eleven months, yeah. Right, and then you get that training. The other thing about uh, Ramadan, it it reminds us human beings is that we're not a we're not a people that's supposed to stand still. Yep. And what I mean by that, we're not supposed to be stagnant. We're supposed to be improving. So what happened last Ramadan and what you improved from that Ramadan should be a different focus this Ramadan. Mm -hmm. And so every single year should be a different sort of area of discipline that you should be aligning yourself. And there's nothing that makes you more present than not being able to eat or drink. Because when you're full and you're satisfied, generally your mind wanders. Mm -hmm. But when you're hungry, your mind goes into your body. Yeah, and it focuses on the fact that you're hungry. Yeah, and your emotions start building up. You start realizing, because hung, hunger develops anger. Yeah, <laughs> you're more irritable, etc. So, being able to be in tune with your emotions and all that is a yeah a, a consequence of fasting. Yeah, um, which is a good thing. Um, so. That's that's the month of Ramadan,
0: and it turns out to be um, the fasting turns out according to modern science turns out to be incredibly healthy for you.
1: Correct. As well. Correct.
0: It's a good like reboot for your body.
1: And God Do- says in the Quran, um, introducing fasting, and He says, "Ya which means, "O oh, you who have faith, O oh, you who believe." Fasting, Suyam. Suyam is the Arabic word for fasting, not yep. Ramadan. Suyam. Okay. Suyam was prescribed upon you like it was prescribed upon the generations before you. Yeah. Meaning that it's a legacy tradition, it is a historical practice, it is a practice of the prophets throughout time. And that this, because it's such a, because when God associates that, and this is the first part of the verse, God is saying that this is a traditional practice to show that I love this practice, this type of worship. God loves this practice, this type of worship. So much so that He's prescribed it to every generation that comes before us. Yeah. So there's fasting in Christianity, there's fasting in Judaism, there's fasting in a lot of traditional religions. Is there? There is. In Christianity, there's yeah. fasting? At least all the Orthodox Christians fast.
0: When do they fast?
1: They fast around after Christmas or before Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I I think there's so but many. It's not different a practice that yeah. is
1: generally widespread, but Ethiopian Orthodox Christians do it religiously. Yeah, they fast hard. Excuse um, the
0: pun. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I, I did not know that. That yeah. that. So that's another similarity. Yeah. That people forget to. Correct. R- forget to see.
1: And that's why yeah God reminds us the, the similarities, the connections this is this is a fast that, you, that, that that and the thing about fasting as well is that it's this you can't fake fasting you can't fake fasting in other words, um, you can't well let me put it this way you can't necessarily you, if I pray in front of you, you mm-hmm. can see me pray Yep. But right now you can't see me fasting. Yes. Right. Yeah. You don't know if I had breakfast this morning. No, I wouldn't have. So, right. But you know. Correct. I know, and God, God
0: knows. knows. Yeah.
1: It is one of the most sincere acts of worship that one can engage in, that develops a, a level of integrity that, if you don't know you didn't have, try mm-hmm. fasting, and you will see whether you have that integrity or not. Yep. you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I fasting, it. you can't fake it. You and can't, nobody's
0: nobody's giving you props or no. like nobody's no. You, you're not showing it's off internal. to anyone. Yeah, it's exactly. It's purely
1: internal. Yeah. Um, and so that's we the scholars say that's the reason why God has, God loves this act of worship. Okay. Because it it it, it differentiates. Yeah. The levels of faith
0: yeah oh, I like that and and how does your um how's your your month of Ramadan gone so, so far
1: yeah look it's going good I had mean, a start it was a bit of adjustment yeah with work and you know the energy levels
0: because
1: mm-hmm. you know you know you, you eat breakfast you go you spend your energy yeah then you refill that lunch yeah and then you expend, and my energy generally drops at like two three o'clock yeah in the afternoon
0: but do you wake up and eat in the morning I do. Okay, yeah. You have
1: to. Yeah, I otherwise you're not to.
0: gonna to get through the day. Exactly. Um do you did you did you fast from five years old when you started reading the Quran?
1: No, I fasted probably practiced at like ten.
0: Oh, okay. Well, a, day here,
1: a day there, half a day. Oh, I see. And then
0: So intermittent fasting correct. in the beginning. Yeah. It
1: it only becomes obligatory when you become what we call balik. Which means when you transition from a boy to a man yeah for, for a girl to a woman mm-hmm. essentially so that that's basically I,
0: coming back to the quran before yeah. I forget, i'm sorry for my inability to hold a steady conversation but i will get better. <laughs> um so no, you've
1: been good you've been really good
0: you've been being, be, being nice but thank you <laughs> um w- w- why does the quran and the bible actually i'm not expecting you to answer this yeah. uh, and maybe this is one of god's questions as well actually yeah. but I, I can't help but notice that it focuses on men a lot for example even though apparently there were female prophets in that 120,000 right or were they all men i don't know okay there's men. no but
1: there's no confirmation of that
0: like but all the there's 23 prophets that are written about in the quran
1: 25 yeah
0: 25 right yep. they're all men right and also there's a there's a chapter about woman and right. how to treat women right? right and and i could say a similar thing for christianity right like there are important women in both faiths no doubt but they're not women like they're always part of a lesson they're not like one that a whole chapter is written about or something they're not a messenger it to me it seems from a skeptic's point of view yeah. that this was written by groups of smart men who were writing a guideline
1: yeah.
0: for and I'm sorry if this offence everyone writing a <laughs> guideline to to guide men on how to live their lives and how to treat women in a fair and equal way yeah. like if it was if it was to teach everyone wouldn't they have a chapter as well to explain how to treat men for women to read
1: it's a really good question an interesting uh, interesting question um, and there's some there's obviously some assumptions that are tied to the question in a way because the, Quran, the, the, the chapter of women talks to both men and women. She addresses women by saying, Oh, women. Yep. X, Y, and Z. Oh, men. X, Y, and Z. Um, there's also a chapter named after a particular woman.
0: Oh, there is? There is. Oh, okay.
1: And the ch- it's called chapter of Maryam or Mary.
0: Yep. Which is Jesus' father, right? Jesus I mean, mother. mother. Sorry. Correct. Yes, his mother. Yeah. Correct.
1: Yes, his mother. So that, there's, a, there's a chapter on her. And there's also conversations within the Qur'an that, um, that are about or between women. Or yep. about between women. Um, there's a chapter in the Qur'an where God talks about um, uh, you know, two women in the lives of the Prophet. It's time. Um, and makes several references to women throughout history, Islamic history uh, at the time of the Prophet. Yep. Um, but so I say that because one, it's not a guidebook for men, or it's not a guidebook for just women. But the, there's a, and with regarding, I guess, the 23 uh, prophets who are men, it's a really good question. There's been 126,000 more or less prophets. I don't know how many of them are well, women. I don't know how many of them are men now with regards to 23 i guess ones that are quoted in the book i don't know there is no sort of explanation in the quran around this is why we chose the men Mm -hmm. but there is again that level of rationalization around you know what scholars have said so some some have said look We believe that, you know, most societies and communities traditionally uh, favored men over women.
0: Yep, and the men were often given more opportunity to be educated, etc.
1: Correct. And so it's very hard to sort of explain now, now that we have, you know, people say we're more woke now. (laughs) We're more woke now, we can see what's happening. It's very hard to apply that lens talking about thousands and thousands of years of traditional times, right? So there could be an element of, could a female prophet be as successful at that time yep. than a male prophet at that time, contextually speak, but if objectively speak, speaking, objectively
3: speaking?
1: Yeah, I don't know. But, um, so that's the you know, slight explanation, but again, it's like one of those questions again, yep. it's like a God question.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's nothing that you're expected to know. Yeah.
1: Now, um, God in the Quran says that He created men and women equal before Him. Meaning that a man doesn't earn more favors to God than a woman and a woman cannot earn more favors to God than a man. However, God also says in the Quran in another place that a woman is not like a man and a man is not like a woman. Mm -hmm. To acknowledge the fact that Biologically, we're different. Yeah. Emotionally, we're very different. Our mm-hmm. temperaments are different, uh, and, and and so many other ways a man, a male, and, and a female are, are different.
0: Does this also go on to talk about? Does it ever prohibit homosexuality in the Quran? Or does homo- it say it in a?
1: Homosexuality is prohibited in Islam. Absolutely. Is it, does it
0: tie to that verse that you just spoke of there, that a man no, and a woman are different? No, no, no okay, sorry.
1: No. Yeah, different, different context. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Um, but so that, that that's the Quranic sort of um, viewpoint regarding men and women, that, that one is not over the other. Yeah. Right? Uh, and regarding smart men developing a guide, you know, the time of yeah. the Prophet. The reality of the Quran is that when it was revealed the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi of the Prophet, peace be upon him, was actually unlettered. He couldn't actually read or write. He was actually a a a, a person raised in the desert. Yep. A, a Bedouin, uh, uneducated, and to that extent could not have developed uh, the Quran as we the Quran as we know it today could not have had the ability to do it. In fact, when the Qur'an was revealed to the Prophet, the story is that uh, when Angel Gabriel came to him to, to reveal the first revelations to him yeah. from God, the first verse was Iqra, which means read. Mm-hmm. And the Prophet's response was, I can't read.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the angel said, iqra, read, recite And he said, I cannot read
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And a third time, he said again, read, iqra He said, I am not a reciter, I don't recite And that was a prophet Everyone knew that this boy, this kid, this man was not a a, a scribe, or wasn't a person who was educated, wasn't rich, wasn't wealthy. He didn't have any of the advantages or the abilities to be able to produce the, the text. In the time, in Arabia, that particular time, in, in like in every generation, there's always the, you know, the key talents that people have. Yep. The Arabians, or the Arabs of the particular time, were known for their shi'r, which means their poetry. Their Arabic, uh, the command of the Arabic language, and their ability to produce very powerful um, poems in the Arabic language and literature
0: in Medina, Mecca, in Medina, that area. Mecca.
1: The Prophet was not part of those people. But in a, in any case, when the Prophet, uh, when Angel Gabriel and through the through God, uh, gave him inspiration to be mm. able to recite the book. Uh, His first reaction obviously was, I can't recite. I can't recite. He was inspired. He'd then taken on that inspiration. He then ran to his wife, Mm -hmm. Khadija, and the first thing he said to her is like he was in a state of shock because of what he had experienced. And, um, And his wife was the first believer in the religion of Islam. A woman was the first person to become Muslim in the entire Islamic history.
0: But wasn't he Muslim first?
1: Well, he was the prophet. Oh.
0: Okay. So
1: you know, so he was the prophet and messenger of God, whereas she was the first one to submit, which yeah. is a, which is the definition of Muslim. The oh, Definition okay. of Muslim is someone who submits to the will of God. So, um, so yeah, she she uh, she became Muslim. But in any case, he was. Uh, she obviously said, God won't forsake you. Blah 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 blah, um, and encouraged him to spread his new faith. When he went out and started reciting what he was inspired to do, the greatest of poets in Mecca at the time were saying either this guy is possessed or because they knew him as someone who was unlettered, illiterate, someone who can't read or recite. How was he able to produce this? So that's this? why it
0: was it was almost evidence that it was God? Correct. Yeah. So
1: it was almost, this could not have been, um, so they used to call him, you're a magician. They just, that's the, the first they started attacking him mm. rather than the message. They said, look, you're a magician. Yeah. You're a soothsayer. You're talking to fortune, you know, fortune tellers, and yeah. you're, you're up to some sort of evil stuff. That's the first thing. And then the, God started responding to these accusations in the Quran. You can see this dialogue,
0: that and he was reciting this. He was reciting, yeah, it.
1: and um, and they were, and then people started believing it because they were saying, "There's no way that this person, who's forty years old, yeah, lived his whole life unlettered, and in one night, comes back to us, reciting such eloquent." classical arabic in a way that it doesn't sound like him yeah because his character was shy whereas the voice and the command and the recitation was a a person a a being of command and a a being of power okay you know um and it was you know he was coming in with some such change to their you know such ideas that they've never heard of in their lives one God? What do you mean? We've got idols. We've got hundreds and thousands of idols. What are you talking about one God?
3: Yeah. What
1: are you talking about, you know, um, um, you know not killing our kids? What do you yeah. mean we can't do that?
0: Do you, think that <laughs> do you think that it was over-exaggerated how barbaric the previous idol worshippers or the pe- previous people of that area was to almost make Islam at the time seem, seem higher?
1: Do I think it's an over-exaggeration of the like the description of how bad? Yeah,
0: of the acts that they did and stuff. Well, you couldn't, I guess you couldn't know that.
1: Yeah, well, in the question, I guess I couldn't know. The only thing I could know is just based looking at uh, Islamic history studied from various viewpoints around just the historic, not, not just Islamic history, but Arab history. Yeah. And that peninsula, that Arabian peninsula. Yeah, it was. What was it like, actually, from people who traveled there, from Greek... From Greece and yeah. Persian Empire and the Roman, how did they describe it? Oh, okay. And that's where the you know, you get that deeper understanding. The Persian oh. Empire is the way they described the Arabian Peninsula was just this barbaric backwards people.
0: Mm. and that's who, people with it of a different faith completely. Correct, yeah, correct. At the time at least. Correct,
1: absolutely. So it's definitely not an exaggeration. Um but yeah, perhaps I'm sure they've had they had good qualities. Yeah. Like I said, there were poets. Yeah, poets, really good at poetry. Uh, they were good at um, uh, 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 shepherds. They yep. were really good shepherds.
0: Yeah, well, they had to be to survive in that area, right? Correct. So, um, in regards to your personal journey with Islam, um, do you, you, your whole family, like direct family, is Muslim? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, do you think you would have been um, as dedicated to Islam? if it wasn't for the encouragement to learn and start memorizing the Quran when you were young? Like, do you think that you would have been as dedicated but to your faith it, as you are yeah.
1: now? Um, there's a saying by, a quote by James Clear. He says, um, environment, your environment is the invisible hand that influences how you are. Yeah. Your environment. So people don't often associate too much with, um, with their environment and the, the influence and the power of environment and what it, can, what it can do to transform one's life. So I do believe 100% that if it wasn't for my environment, the people that I had been influenced by um, through growing up and the community that I'd been a part of and the leaders that have inspired me and mentored me I, I, yeah, I don't think that I would be where I am today but yep. also I say that with a caveat that sometimes no matter what your environment is and how good it is yeah you will you, you'll be sometimes you'll be completely different
3: yeah yeah you yeah. know what I mean
1: yeah so then sure. that aspect I I associate to God yep and just say that I believe that God's guidance yeah through people um, and as well as choices that I've made um, that have sort of led to it at the moment. But, uh, yeah.
0: Have you always been so, um, I can't stop. I think I told you this before off yeah. record, but I, I can't stop obsessing over how articulate you are. <laughs> your, your use of the English language. I, I w- hope one day I can speak English as well as you can.
1: You know what it's come, uh, what, where it's come from is I do, um, I do workshops. Yeah. Random workshops with young people and about well, well um, you're the
0: teacher in the workshop? yeah correct okay
1: so i facilitate um i used to be i used to coordinate workshops and then yep. i started facilitating for my own development so i think it's just through practice
0: yeah through a practice of and teaching. conversation yeah yeah exactly one of the reasons i want to do this podcast it hopefully definitely works hopefully by the a thousand episodes i can speak as well as you can
1: <laughs> i'm sure you'll be fine i'm sure Oh,
0: it's getting crazy, huh? Yeah, it's getting rainy. I, uh, we have to walk a, a far distance in the yeah, rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe that's time to wrap it up. Yep, yep. Thank you for that, no, AC. No problem. And um, one day I'll, uh, I'll invite you on again. I think that I could, um, I'll learn more about Islam as I travel the world. Yeah. And about religions in general. So Absolutely. I'll be keen to, um, to ask you more about it. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: for sure been yeah, a pleasure
0: this is uh thank you <laughs> I, I appreciate it. this is unbuckle discussions we'll amazing. see you next time amazing
1: cheers man, cheers,
0: man. thank you